Hi, this is Ricky from Riddle's Messy Wardrobe, and you're listening to the Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to the Top 5 Comics, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Today we have the Rogues Gallery of Guests. <laughs> we have Captain Cold and his parka, Curtis. We have, from the molten center of the earth, Heat Wave, with Ross. How's it going? We have, from the Scottish pub down the street, Captain Boomerang. Oi. Skillet. And then the guy who's trying to keep us all together, the Weather Wizard Steve. Why did I get the Weather Wizard of all the people we've been talking about tonight? Because ass gas was taken. That's wrong. Thanks a lot. I should have held off for Captain Cold as the leader. Kind of just threw that out there all at the beginning. <laughs> Good. Good job, voiceover guy. We also have Rob as Glider. <laughs> I could be the girl. The glider. <laughs> the fact that you knew the name tells me that it's not a... Okay. It is okay. I'm not. I'm not saying it's not good to have a lady type fighter kind of thing. I'm gonna stop. So, hey, how's it oh, going? You know who would have been good? Mirror Master. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's very. He's right. We can't take it back. Man. No, it's too late. late. Mirror Master would. Yeah, would Boy, probably been better. Yeah. A better choice. If you're paying the other guy, you need not pay him anymore. I like Golden Glider. You shut the hell up. <sighs> All right, so today we are doing uh, Tooth and Claw number one from Image Comics. What uh, what episode is this? Oh, god damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I want to say this is five episode forty-five. I think so. Let me look real quick. No, it's forty-five. <laughs> you sure? Pretty sure. Episode forty-five. Right. Okay. That was the last one? No, there's this one. Okay. Damn it. So today we're doing episode 45. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, uh, and book-wise, for episode 45, yeah, <laughs> get Tooth and Claw number one. Uh, John Carter of Mars, number one, uh, from Dynamite, to the Claws from Image. Good work. Yeah. Uh, Nailbiter, number seven, uh, also from Image Comics. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And then uh, Eternal Warrior, Days of Steel, number one. From? From uh, Valiant. There you go. And uh, Stray, number one, which will be from Action Lab Comics, uh, released, should be coming out in January 2015. So here in a few months. So watch for that. If, if you decide you like it from what I was talking about it, then uh, you really should uh, tell your comic vendor to order it this month because it's in this month's previous catalog for November. And we've got these from Kickstarter. Right. Uh, yeah, we get these books from uh, Vila Sante, uh, the writer of of uh, Stray, the, the creator of it. Uh, if you listen to our podcast regularly, we did an interview with him out in San Diego uh, back in July? No, June. June or July. And I want to say it ran on the podcast maybe four episodes ago. It was a point. It was the only one with a point one attached to it, episode wise. Anyway, uh, Vito, great guy. Um, 
So yeah, if you want to get Stray, uh, it's in the November previews, so check it out. Uh, anyway, uh, so let's go ahead and start with a uh, little news from Ross and the Dog File. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> uh, probably the biggest one, I think you guys might have talked about it a little bit last time, but the Marvel movies that they all released all at once that go for forever in time. Si, senor. Muy as. What does small mean? What's small? We pequeño talkie. Stop. Okay. Words? Gotcha. So, wait, you want to go through the list here, Ross? We got yeah, a list. yeah, you should start talking about the list. Okay, so uh, they're saying Ant-Man is going to be uh, July 17, 2015. And then they're going to follow that with the Avengers Age of Ultron, so technically Avengers 2. Oh, was Ant-Man come out before? Yes, it is. Wow, okay. Uh, no, that's incorrect. That's incorrect. May 1st, 2015 is Avengers. Okay, yeah. So they strike and reverse that. Avengers 2, then Ant-Man 1? Yes. I would say yes. Like, it's a question. Okay, so from there, now this, this is just the Marvel Marvel movies, not the Fox, mm-hmm. Sony, we'll do those afterwards. Mm-hmm. Just the Marvel movies. Marvel. Yes. Uh, then after that we have, uh, gosh man, these are in any right order at all. Well, you wrote them. Hey, well, just because I wrote things doesn't mean they were right. Um, Captain America Civil War... So it's technically Captain America 3. Uh, it's supposed to be May 6, 2016. Uh, then we have Doc Strange, or Doctor Strange. It's November, also 2016. Uh, we follow that up with Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Should be freaking awesome. And that is uh, supposed to be May 1st, 2015. Uh, followed by, uh, looks like, sorry, not 2015, sorry, 2000. Where am I on these notes? 2017. My bad. May 5th, 2017. Oh, like, man, just, that sounds really we soon. We should just try over this whole thing. Numbers. Yes, it, 2000, uh, yeah, 2017. 17. Yeah, okay. Keep me on track, Ross. Thanks. <laughs> oh, man, reading things is hard. Then have that Black Panther. French November 2017. Man. Ah, it's November 3rd. And who's who's in it, Curtis, from your baseball movie? Ben, no, Black Panther? Yeah. Oh, Chadwick Boseman. Yes, Chadwick Boseman. And he's actually going to show up in the Captain America movie before. Ooh. We get a little taste Black of Wakanda. Yeah. Nice. Some vibranium, is that what it's called? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah, no. So Avengers Infinity War, Part 1, uh, which is supposed to be May 4th, 2018. Then we follow that up with Captain Marvel, uh, which is July 6, 2018. Then Inhumans, uh, it's going to be 2018 also, it's in November on the 2nd. And then we finish up with at least what they've given us, as being Avengers Infinity War Part 2, and it's May 3rd, 2019. And when I was making this list, I'm like, we're never going to see that ever. Are you going to be dead by then? I hope not. I'm just saying, it's like, it's a long way to plan movies out, I think. Don't you? I mean, there's no, a I, like I agree a, with that. But, quite a stone throw. But we don't have to, what's that called when you hire somebody to play a role? 
cast. We don't have to cast right now for some of those. That's a good point. Especially the Inhumans and yeah. Captain Marvel. Okay. And some of those films, they may have put a longer date on them so that they don't miss their date. Well, maybe. So their times might Yeah, shift. I'm sure the dates are all fluid. I mean, once we get into the Sony Fox stuff, some of those have some questionable dates. They're just random years. Of course, the person I always thought would be good to play Captain Marvel is not... She might be too old by then. Sackoff? Yeah, Katie Sackoff. Nah. She's 35 now, so she'll so be 40 by then. Awesome. No, she... That, I, she yeah. <laughs> she, she's my number one, so... She's the only right. one that could play it, right. in my opinion. It'd be fantastic. Didn't she uh, say something she would love to play that or something? She said something Yeah, about there's, that. Been, there's been interviews. She just threw it out People there. said things about stuff. She, she, yeah, she mentions all that stuff. Awesome. I think it's so crazy if they have all these movies already planned out to come out. As a th- yeah, as a thing. Actually, I don't think it's necessarily crazy if they have them planned out that far because I think that happens the majority of the time. Sure. I think it's crazy if they felt they had to announce it to everyone. Yeah, that that, that's a little weird too. Like the here's the path, everybody. So uh, yeah, if we screw up, it's only our own fault. I understand like letting us know a couple, I don't know, a couple years in advance or whatever. But then if, if you're talking 2019. It, just expecting that to come out whenever it comes out. God forbid there's a bump along the road, you know? Yeah. I think I it's know. crazy because I think weird. And now you have you have Marvel fans, so people like us that are just excited about the fact that there are movies, right? Right. And then you have people that are like a next step into it now that are excited about dates and stuff for right. movies, which yeah. is kind of out of control, I think. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Like it's not it's not that they care as much about the movie itself it's as more like they care the about next phase happening. of yeah. Marvel. That's true. There's a whole batch of them with their numbers and dates and whatnot. Yeah, there. I had to write this stuff down. I don't remember it. Yeah, I'm like, sweet. There's gonna be a Captain Marvel movie. Awesome. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, uh, we've been told that uh, Doctor Strange is gonna be Benedict Cumberbatch. Is that right? Benedict Cumberbatch. That's what he's the one that one, one out over the others. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's acceptable. <laughs> as as if they were going to ask me. It's better than Johnny Depp. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's for sure. He just doesn't have the look. I mean, he's got maybe the look. With the mustache. Yeah, man, you put the mustache on him, he fits. See, some... but I think as soon as you put Johnny Depp in that role, it becomes Johnny Depp as Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah that's Doctor true. Strange. That's a good point. Well, he ruined Khan. I guess he's going to ruin Doctor Strange. No. <laughs> no, I like him. <laughs> that was a good movie. Awesome. Is it because he's not ethnic? Was no. He's pretty good in Sherlock, but yeah. that's a completely different kind of character. Yeah. Obviously. I'm sure he'll do fine. Okay, so moving on to the uh, non... So the Marvel movies that are not produced by Disney slash Marvel. Which are irrelevant. Well, not all of them, but a majority of them. Starting out the gate, we have Fantastic Four. No, we don't. <laughs> uh, 2015... Uh, it's April or August seventh. Uh, so yeah, hey, good luck with that if you want to watch that. Yeah, that abortion. Uh, man, you know. Just, just keep in mind that when you're trying to think of these films, they do not connect to the greater Marvel universe, and they don't even connect to other Fantastic Four movies that have been no. made. So this is this is a brand new start that connects to nothing. It's not really even the Fantastic Four. It's just a by name. It's fantastic. You know, I think I think they're trying really hard to lower all of our expectations for it. I think well, they've done a great job. I think it might end up being okay in the end. But. So what you're trying to say is that you do think they're Michael Bay in us. 
Yeah. That's, I, I'm going to coin it uh, Michael Bang. I don't know. And then you say, you mean having explosions? No, he does that too, but Michael Bang is in, um, the Teenage Mutant Turtles are going to be from outer space. And everyone said, are you serious? We've, <laughs> we've said worse. Mr. Falcon? Captain Stop. America? No, that's something different. He's <laughs> Mr. Falcon. The, you, uh, Michael Bang. Set the bar so low that there's no possible way you can't exceed it. Yeah. I hope that winds up in Urban Dictionary. But somewhere. you're giving them way too much. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen with this. Movie. Yeah, maybe he's right. Maybe he's I right. I think at the end it's going to come out and they're going to be like, "Remember all that stuff we told you it was going to be about?" Not really. For it to escalate to the point where Marvel, as a company, decides to drop the book, well, like, not. I think that's because it's competition more than anything. Yeah. You know, I the thing that's weird about that more than anything else is that somehow somebody over there in, in the upper up of Disney slash Marvel thinks that somehow the comic book is going to draw people to watch the movie. It somehow affects the movie at all. But blows my freaking mind. Fox still has licensing to that movie. Fantastic Four, yeah. So they can move it to another comic book company and, and license the property off there, like we, you know, with Dark Horse. Yeah, Dark Horse is supposed to be making the movie version of the of the book, which is kind of epic, I guess. I'd be more interested in getting the comic book of the Fantastic Four from Dark Horse Comics. Yeah, I'm in the same so I'm, boat. I'm more interested in that than I am in the stupid movie. Good job, Marvel. I like Dark Horse anyway, so whatever. It most it could also be motivated by sales. And Fantastic Four has not enjoyed a good sells for a little while. It does, well, Captain Marvel's not okay. the top of the heap either. It does Nothing okay, from away. what I understand. It does okay. It's not a blockbuster by any stretch of the imagination, but it does okay. It holds I its think own. Captain Marvel actually sells more than Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I wouldn't call it top of the heap pile. No, but it's it's big digital, too, yeah. Captain Marvel is. Yeah. Something like 7,000 units. If it goes below that, they cancel the book or something like that. Huh. Well, without knowing what the numbers for Fantastic Four are, mm-hmm. it's hard to say. I mean, we can at. look that up on the internet. Yeah, you know, if you want to work on that while we go through this next batch of lists, sure. Huh? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So well, uh, leave your comment below. <laughs> do we have any conversation? No, 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 I'm do. curious. I guess you can email if you or you just have. I'm just gonna look it up now. You know, I, it, it doesn't even matter. We're gonna move forward. Moving Why on. does that? Yeah. Uh, so then we have flame the. On. Uh, did you just say flame on? I did. You stop. Just stop. The glider doesn't yeah. say things like that. <laughs> no. Yeah, man. Anyway, so Deadpool, uh, February 15th, 2016. Uh, there's huge expectations for that movie, so I guess we'll see what happens with that. Uh, then we're talking X-Men. Uh, it's a, is it Age of Apocalypse or Apocalypse? Apocalypse. Just I Apocalypse, think. okay. It doesn't matter. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know about that. I mean, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, anyway. me too. Days of Future Past was pretty, was pretty good. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen it. That's that's where the problem it is. Was, it that's was where really the disconnect's well at. What was I looking for? Uh, Fantastic, Fantastic Four, Four sales numbers yeah. for Fantastic Four. Sales. Fantastic yeah. Four was 71 last month. Ranked 71? Yeah. At hold on. What are the top 100? That can't be possible. No way. That's right. That's true. That's true. No. 71 overall or just Marvel? 30,000 units. Okay. Let's see where guys keep talking. Okay. So uh, then after, so that's May uh, 27, 2016 for the X-Men Apocalypse. You follow that with uh, Sinister Six, which is supposed to be November 11, 2016, which seems a little early to me because we haven't met some of the characters, but hey, why not? That might actually be interesting. 
then they're talking Venom Carnage uh, for 2017, but at this point there's no date set, and from what I understand, no casting, so it's like someone wrote something down on a piece of paper, and they're like, sounds good. I actually heard that that one got pulled. Yeah, it's quite but possible. it might have came back up already, too, so it's hard yeah. to say. Yeah, at this point, the, the, the list we were looking at has that on there. Casting's so. kind of irrelevant with that anyway. Didn't we kind of hear that... Marvel is trying really hard to get Spider-Man back into there. They're trying to get Sony to play with them movie-wise, but it, so at this point... So he can appear in the movies or something like that? Yeah, in theory. Because, uh, I mean, technically, story-wise, wasn't Civil War pretty big with Spider-Man? Mm-hmm. Only if you care about the story. Um, yeah, that was he was a big part of it. Like I said... Captain Marvel was number 111. So Captain Ranking. Marvel is a little bit less. So yeah, it, it may be totally based on they they think that this will hurt the film, which is strange to me. Mm-hmm. Good, good luck with that. We'll check out the digital sales for Captain Marvel though. I don't want to. That should actually that's, incorporate no. This incorporates all of it. Yeah. yeah, that's the overall. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what she gets. Because yeah. anyway. supposedly Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel sell more digitally than print. I don't know why. They say those both are really huge digitally. They outsell print form. Hmm. Huh. Yeah, I don't know about that. It's, it's, I don't know why that would be something that was the case. Well, if you're getting Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel and you're doing it digitally, please buy the physical copies. Yeah, I'll only go with the book to stay around. I mean, maybe it'll turn into digital only. Then we don't have to worry about it. Sweet. But I like Captain Marvel. No, I'm not saying they're bad books. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Captain Marvel is just fine. I like I like uh, Carol. I miss Miss Marvel's not bad either. The current Miss Marvel's all right. The whole shape changing thing. She's got some cool things to her. Yeah, she's pretty unique. All she's the just steam, human, though. All the steam about mm-hmm. it is from out of, is just just be, just from the situation she's in. But yeah. as far as the book's yeah. concerned, it means a good book. Yeah. Anyway, uh, back to list. Yes. Uh, me. Then they're saying. Uh, <laughs> oh. A random female Spider-Man movie? Well, hang on. I wrote random. Sorry. Unnamed. Unnamed female Spider-Man movie. Uh, scheduled sometime in 2017. So I wonder if maybe the Venom Carnage and this girl Spider-Man movie were on, like, a, a table somewhere, and they were trying to decide which one to do, and they just put out both names. Because they're not... They didn't name it at all. And I don't know what the hell... Well, it's not like they have to stick to it. Well, at this point, what are they going to do? I, they could do Silk. She's yeah. awesome. Do Spider Woman? Yeah, by then she'll be established pretty well. Possibly, yeah. right? The there's the Spider Gwen, which everybody's about, but mm-hmm. I think it's a little early for that. Yeah, mm, might as well. Yeah, that'll be confusing. I think they'll go that Maybe. Direction. Wow. Anyway, so then there's Wolverine three, which uh, is March third, two thousand seventeen, and they're saying Fantastic Four number two, July July fourteenth, uh, two thousand seventeen. Getting a little ahead of themselves. Yeah, that's pretty ambitious. Well, you know. And then we have Amazing Spider-Man 3 for 2018. And they're saying uh, X-Men movie unnamed for July 13th, 2018 also. So list-wise, they both get in 2018. And there's a fair amount of movies between them. I mean, granted, the Marvel slot is a lot thicker as far as movies. But as far as uh, films are concerned, I mean, I guess it the most... The one I see going away the quickest, it would be either those two Spider-Man unnames, and then Fantastic Four 2, depending on how well it does in the box office. I mean, granted, if they want to keep the, keep the uh, franchise, all they have to do is wait the five years, put out another movie, it doesn't matter. So, as far as that goes, I guess we'll see what happens with that movie. But if it tanks hard enough, it might be worth their while to sell it back to Marvel. Which would be awesome. Yeah, I can see that. But, 
Yeah, we were talking like a major tank. Well, given what we've heard, that's, you know, who knows? Well, I don't think he was expecting it to do great. I mean, movie-wise, neither of the other two Fantastic Four movies did good either, but they're still following suit with a technically third movie in the Fantastic Four, even though it's not connected at all. Oh, it's so, completely different. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a restart. Yeah. Which, I, honestly, I liked Fantastic Four 1 and 2. I, I thought they were actually pretty good. Man, I hated Doctor Doom so bad. Yeah, Doctor Doom was wrong. But uh, I like the movies as movies just yeah. fine, too. Mm-hmm. Well, Brian Pesane, Brian's in it, so that's cool. That's true. At least he's in the second one. I don't think he's in the first one. He's in the second one. Yeah, but I mean, so far it sounds like it's all bad news for the relaunch, but we'll see. Again, maybe there's Michael Bay in it. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I mean, everything we've heard has come from official sources so far, but you also still can't believe anything. Well, you also have to take a look at the actors they've gotten cast. Yeah, yeah, but that could be, I don't know. But we'll even then, see. at the end, they could be like, just kidding, it didn't right. work out, we got someone different. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things they could do with it that, that would just shake the way it's drawn up. Anyway, uh, Ross, any more news? Um, we heard there's a cool Simpsons Futurama crossover coming on here pretty soon. In the comic books? No, mm-hmm. in the TV. Oh, alright. Simpsonama. Simpsorama. Yeah, it That's seems cool. like Simpsons are kind of all about the crossover thing this season. Yeah, well, they have yeah, numerous Family Guy appearances and whatnot. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is, I mean, it's cool. I don't watch the Simpsons anymore, but I watch those for the sake of them being a crossover, so. Ross is a slave to the crossover. Yeah, pretty much any time you tell me it's a crossover, I'll watch it, so. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to convince you the Flash is a, is a crossover. And he had Arrow in it. That's true, he did. I, I watched that. All right, well. There you I'll go. probably watch it the next time they do that, too. Yeah, that's true, they're going to. But it sounds like there's a lot of crazy stuff coming up in that series. So. Oh, they have uh, the new Lego Batman game comes out this coming week, I think. Oh, okay. And it's got a lot of crazy stuff from DC, including a DLC pack that's Arrow that has all the actors voicing themselves and. Oh, that's Lego cool. Versions. Oh, cool. So I'm getting the game. Yeah. Huh. huh. All right, that's cool. So that's uh. pretty sweet. And has Adam West in it, too, as <laughs> awesome. 60s Batman. Man, that's, all, that's, that's awesome. Cool. I, think he's, I think he's in there as 60s Batman, and there's an Adam West character in the game, So dual role. Perfect. Yeah. Who's doing the regular Batman voice, do we know? Is uh, it Conroy? It's, it's, no, it's not Conroy. It's who has been voicing him in the in Origins and... Kind of their second. Oh, the guy from the, a lot like Conroy from the Rocksteady man. games. Yeah, uh, you know I don't know the dude's name. I should, but I don't. I want to say it's not Troy Baker. Troy Baker's the Joker, the Joker replacement. I think I'll look it up. It's I should know it too. But no, I don't yeah, yeah, doesn't matter. Is that, is that all you got news wise, Ross? <clears throat> That's all I can think of. Is um, there, anything else? there is one more piece. I think you probably Star Wars. Oh, um, yeah, I forgot all about that. Yeah. New title. I'll, I'll go after that. Force Awakens. Force Awakens for the title, is it the title of the movie? Star yeah. Wars 7, The Force Awakens. Oh. All right. Yeah. Anything else? Looking up the voice actor that played Batman. Okay. It is Troy Baker. Okay. And I found out a bunch of other crazy stuff really quick, too. Okay. So, uh, not only is Adam West playing himself and 60s Batman... But he's playing the Grey Ghost. 
which really? was the animated series that was the 60s Batman. Oh, whoa, yeah, yeah, okay. Which is cool. And there's a ton of other crazy characters, like animals, that I like, like Bat-Cow and Bat-Hound and Crypto. and Ross, Ross. Is he voicing those? No, no, no. Those are all just characters <laughs> in the game. Ruff, Frankenstein is in it. <laughs> That's cool, yeah. Killawog. Yeah, a lot of nice. cool. Booster Gold and Blue Beetle are both in it. That's cool. Yeah, it seems like it will be a crazy thing. Frankenstein? Frankenstein. Kilowog, man. Dexstar's in it, too, from the Red Lantern cat. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. That's crazy. Huh. Awesome. Seems like it'll be pretty cool. And the 60s characters are all voiced by the original people that are alive. Oh, that's cool. So Burt Ward is Robin. Nice, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. What about the rest of the Red Lantern crew? Are they on there, too? There's a couple of them. Like the... Atrocitus. Um, Ratchet. No, the... Beach ball dude. Zillius Zax. Zillius Yeah. I didn't see his name, but I wouldn't surprise me if he's in there. Was that in alphabetical order? Yeah. Could you look? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just get him down a little bit farther there, Ross. I just don't and know. This if is the Batman Lego list. Everything. Yeah, this is the I've never played one of those. They're surprisingly really, really good. Lobo is going to be in it. New Lobo or old Lobo? Old I mean, Lobo. I've been told it's old Lobo, yeah. The Bastage? Yes. St. Walker. Man. Yeah, the, uh, I have the Marvel one, and mm -hmm. the amount of people they put in there is ridiculous. Yeah. You, you just get to pick whoever you want to play, or...? No, you have to you have to earn some of them, unlock them as you go through the game. Um, it's kind of set up that they actually march you through several people that are, yeah. like, actually a part of the story. And then if you if you want, as you explore around, you can find you know, Havoc and Nova and Rocket Raccoon and stuff that don't really have a part in the game. And you can recruit them and bring them onto your group, and then you can use them in free play later. But a lot of the missions are designed that you can't finish them completely the first time through. You have to go back and play it again using skills that you didn't have the first time. Skills from people you recruit. So it's very replayable. Huh. The the Red Lantern isn't on the list, but there's usually a ton of characters that they don't announce until the game actually comes out. So, their their cast for Marvel is incredibly big. Yeah, every new one of those Lego games that comes out, the cast gets bigger and bigger on all of them. So, yeah, for for the Marvel one, they they actually gave you all of New York as just free play, and you could tear up just about all of it. You couldn't like knock over buildings. But if it was a bush or a brick thing, you could blast it. So. Hmm. The last one, they gave us all of Gotham. Yeah. To play with. This so. one's supposed to take place in space, actually. So revolve kind of around the different Lantern Corps. It sounds like. Hmm. Oh. So probably there will be. And they also revealed uh, what Daffy Duck Lantern. Yeah. As well. Yeah, so that's crazy, too. Anyway. All right, then. That's Lego Mania. Lego Corner. <laughs> oh, and all the variant covers this month from, uh, well, a fair amount of variant covers from DC this month are all Lego variants. Take take that, Legos. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Anything else? Uh, well, you're, you're going to probably have to help me with this, because I'm... Horrible with my memory. We, we had some really sad news coming out of Action Lab. Oh, right. Jeremy Dome. A book that we've talked about a lot. Yeah, Jeremy Dome. Uh, unfortunately passed away. And um, that, that leaves 
um, skyward kind of on the table. And so I don't know if, if somebody's going to come in and like try to mm. fill it up. or It's hard to say if they're going to try to end it for him or how far along mm. he got in it. I think that'd be cool as a send-off to do like everybody at Action Lab coming together. To I, I think that'd be really cool too, actually. To help that. Do make a memorial. I mean, he's not the first member of their staff that's passed away, but as, as far as a, a creator is concerned, I mean, Jeremy Dell, he did a lot of work for a lot of companies, and the dude is fantastic. And that book is fantastic. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I think if, if uh, man, that'd be really, that'd be really cool. It's, if it's just unfortunate that, do that. That'd that be cool. he passed away at the height that he was at. Right. Because he, he was gaining traction. He's, he's a young guy, too. Mm-hmm. He really was. Yeah, 30, 34, 35. Yeah. And we just saw him. We just saw him in San Diego when we talked. Yeah. When we talked to Vito and them, we just saw him. Yeah. So I yeah. guess it was unexpected, and he fell ill, and within the week he passed away. So. Right. Because it was really sad. We lost a great creator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and somebody that was really passionate about his work. Yeah, man. He was just so genuine and cool. I, I wish we would have. It was before we started, you know, really. Doing this when we uh, first met him, yeah, it was before we yeah. did the podcast, so two like three years ago. And it, it was just neat to hear him talk about how this was the idea he was pitching for years, and like he started with his his dog that's in the, the comic, right? You know, it's like a puppy in his pitches. Yep. And he just let the dog kind of age up as he pitched the book to people to try to get it to go. And so you know, it's just it's it's sad. Um, Whenever we lose somebody that like is of that caliber that actually cares about what they're doing so much, right? And he was really genuine, so I wish we would have had that. Yeah, a that actually when I heard that, that actually hit me pretty hard. And right. There's not many who pass away that are in the spotlight that'll hit you pretty hard, but I don't know. Just that's a tough one. Yeah, it was. It was. It was sad, and. Right. Uh, I mean, there's <clears throat> his wife Kelly works at Action Lab too, so right. She'll have support there, but there all there is a GoFundMe for. I was his. gonna say there's yeah there's one set up for for her to, to help with the family and whatnot and every like it, everything that just comes with that kind of thing. Yeah, give back to a a, a gentleman that gave to us. It, anything helps, I'm guessing. Right. So. Yeah. And yeah. You never did. never want to lose a creator. No. That no. one really that that definitely uh, there you avoid mm-hmm. right. that, that guy was well if you get a chance to go look at the go sponsor me page just you, you, you can google it on uh jeremy dell and then go sponsor me and you'll, you'll be able to find it but yeah it's uh it's cool they set that up for him no and i remember when you got when he was first putting this out he had some blanks at san diego right and you got me a uh it's jack or kirby i can't remember i know his dog's name is one or the other jack jack in the comics okay yeah. his dog kirby was the basis on that, you guys got me a little Jack. That's right, we did. Yeah, him. that's right. Yeah, that would have been. Yeah, that's cool. I wish you could have met the dude. I really cool. do, but uh, I never got a chance to. Yeah, he was he was really really genuine. He was he was a neat guy. Yeah. Well, you can tell he put everything you know into that book. I mean, he was real passionate about. It. You can tell just by reading it and mm-hmm. looking at it. I mean, and just the the correspondence in the back when he. When he'd write a little oh, extra, yeah. I the mean, you could tell he was yeah. all about this book, and he was really excited that it was taken off, and, mm-hmm. and he deserved it. Well, he did. He worked for a Devil's Due, and mm-hmm. yeah, he was doing three or four books a month. Like, dude, completely like a machine, amazing. And none of them, yeah, and all of it was like quality work too. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's, 
it's a, it's a it's a sad thing for sure. But it, I I would like to see Action Lab finish it out for him with the other the other guys the other artists there finish it out. Mm -hmm. That'd be really cool. That's mm -hmm. a cool idea. Well, and he may have had scripts already. Well, done yeah, until like the I end. said, it, it's hard to tell how far along he was with that kind of stuff. Or I mean, maybe I don't, an outline. Something, yeah. It it's hard to say because I don't I don't think he ever wrote it to be like to have an actual end end. Mm -hmm. I, so chances are. He had plans. I don't know, God, it's hard to say how long he had it planned for, because it wasn't something he planned on stopping. So, mm -hmm. anyway, yeah. So yeah, if you guys get a chance, that anything, it, like I said, anything can help. And I don't know. It's one of those things. Like, it, the comic industry is a darker place for it. Whether it's a big hit on your scale because of what you read or not, it, it's a it's a real it's a real loss to the system. I mean, it doesn't. That anybody passing like that, that's in in the spotlight, regardless, it's still a thing. But there's a few guys that are really awesome. I mean, Michael Turner is really awesome. Oh my God, uh, <laughs> Jeremy Dale, awesome. Uh, Ringo, man, awesome. Mm -hmm. So, and they're not the only ones. They're just the guys I can think of off the top of my head that that we met and were, are awesome from generally meeting them. Not Steve, just because you think things are cool. Steve Hughes. Oh yeah, Lady Death, man. Uh, Dwayne McDuffie. Yeah, Dwayne yeah. McDuffie. Gosh, Dwayne. I never, we ne I never met McDuffie, mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah Carmine was... Infantino passed this just week. recently. Yeah, yeah he had a long, good, oh, glorious yeah. career. And, um, uh, Rich uh, Buckler, I Rio, think. Rio. Oh, gosh, what's his name? He he did Al Rio. Al Rio, yeah. Mm -hmm. Man, he he was just getting on the upswing again too. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Uh, well, that was the sad part of the show, I guess. So uh, let's go from there to a uh, question for the audience, I guess. Greg from Key West. So Greg says, I do have one question. Uh, you may have already covered it. I'm not sure. Could you guys talk about the possible story arcs and characters for the Flash show? And uh, like, it goes on a little more, but as far as the main question is who we think uh, Wells is and uh, what, what other characters we think are going to show up. Now, granted, there's been a couple new episodes that have happened. I have not seen the most recent episode that has Killer Frost or has Captain Cold, um, but I've heard good things. So, as far as uh, like questions concerned, man, it, there's a, a storyline. It's hard to say because like the, the very in the very first episode, whenever they give us a whole shot of uh, ah, gosh, what's it called? In, uh, when the flashes appears during what was it called? Help me out, guys. In the episode, there's about. future newspaper. Future newspaper has what on it? Crisis? Is yeah. that right? Man, it's like I'm talking to myself in here. So Crisis is what's on the newspaper at the end of the first episode, if you weren't aware of that. That's what that is. And you talk about the Flash's appearing. In the original Crisis stories, the Flash sacrificed himself to save everyone, and that's why he disappeared, because he died. And then when they restart, when they went back to DC Comics, that's when we first got... Wally West, who was the replacement for Barry Allen, yeah, he was, so uh, there was still a Flash. He was his sidekick before that point, yeah. But uh, didn't he become? Well, it doesn't matter. It's fine. He became anyway, one with the Speed Force. Yeah. Well, in the, in, in the newer stories, that he's come out of the Speed Force. That's how he's still alive. But basically, he sacrificed himself to all intents and purposes being dead. Yeah. At the end of Crisis, which was a crazy play move. Sorry. <laughs> For like twenty years ago? Yeah, it was. It was yeah, that was huge. 
No, it, it was definitely a big thing. I mean, this this is the, so prior to doing New Fifty Two, they did Crisis, and that's what restarted the the whole start new places thing that happened twenty years ago. Yeah, it was Crisis. Anyway, uh, so there's my take on that little bit. Nothing, I guess. Uh, as far as characters, I, I I don't remember if I mentioned this before or not. So, the two lab assistants. Uh, do either, any of you guys know who they're supposed to be? Yeah, it's Vibe and Killer Frost. Right. So we have Cisco, the kid with longer hair, the Savannah kid, basically Vibe. That's the character he is. That's his first name. That's Vibe's first name. Yeah. yeah. Killer Frost has got the name of the girl uh, assistant. Caitlin Snow. Yep. And then her boyfriend that died in the first episode. He's Ronnie Raymond. One half of Firestorm. Oh, is he? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. That's crazy. And it happens to be the Green Arrow dude's brother or something. In yeah, real life, life. In yeah. real life, yeah. yes. Actor-wise, in real life, he is. He's on, he's on another show that CW has. I, I've seen commercials, but I don't actually know what it's called. But yeah, he. so they've already set up Firestorm, which is pretty ambitious. I mean, yeah. if you think about it. That's actually really huge. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when uh, had somebody who was actually talking to me about it today, and when he was mentioning that, it was like, you know, man, Arrow might be the thing that actually sets the DC universe up. Like, they want it in Batman versus Superman, Apocalypse, Nightmare, Polka Dot Pants. But <laughs> I think Arrow might be the one who actually does it. Well, so f- they've done a good job so far. I mean, the Flash has just shot, I mean, from the very beginning, it's just cooking yeah. right along. Oh, it, it's good. There's no, no doubt about that. And uh, as far as, like, casting or characters are concerned, I mean, since then... Uh, setup-wise, we've seen a couple other like key characters too, but as far as the possibility of who is Zoom, which I think is what the real question is, is whether we think Wells is Zoom or not. You know, maybe. I mean, there's a couple different ideas out there on the internet. I was talking to Chris, uh, Green Lantern Chris, the other day in the store, and uh, we were both talking about basically the same thing. And at one point, we started. I said, you know, wouldn't it be crazy? If Wells was actually Barry from a different version of the future, time travel back, and he's like, "Holy crap, maybe." That's actually what I think he. Yeah. Who I think he is. Right, because it could be very possible. Otherwise, the wheelchair doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. And granted, he's murderous, and it's from a future that is a wreck. He has to be, but that's what happens when you time travel and crazy things happen. Yeah. Sometimes you have to murder dudes. Sometimes. But they did a. Uh, who Metroplex? And they did a really good job with him. That was cool. Multiplex. Multi- multiplex. Multiplex. Yeah, Multiplex. That was pretty cool. So, as far as Wells, I mean, it's possible that he's Zoom, but there's all these other threads out there. I mean, because we have, I mean, we have really three Zooms that happened in the comic books, right? So we have the Golden Age Zoom, which is also called the what was it Rival, the Rival? The Rival yeah. and that was uh, Doctor Edward. Uh, Clarice? Clarice? Clarice. Clarice. And that's like Golden Age style villain. And then from there, the the second one is probably the one most people know, and that's the the guy we think the the cop boyfriend is. Eobard. Eobard. Last name? Thwain or Thon. Thwain or Yeah. Which is, the name matches the cop boyfriend that's her dad's partner, so... Mm. Huh? It's more than the character matches so far, too. Well, the way it, yeah, the way it looks. It well, does. even even beyond that, because right. Dwayne's thing was to 
destroy Barry's life in any way possible. Oh, that's true. So by him dating the girl, it's that kind of helps destroy it. To... Oh, that's crazy. You know, I hadn't put that piece in there, but you're right, huh? So it's more likely that he's actually Zoom, I would say. Uh, but then there's the new, there the third Zoom, which was uh, Hunter Zalom, Zalom, Zalomon, yeah. And as far as setups concerned, I guess it could be him too. But I think more likely we're dealing with Ed. So if Ed's the Zoom, then that doesn't leave us a lot of other choices for the Doctor to be. I mean, I guess we could technically have two different Zooms and make one of them Wells, who's obviously from the future. You know, they've actually said in interviews before, too, that the character of Wells, at least, is not someone that's existed ever before, too. Which would make sense if it was, if it was Barry, because we've so never be seen a Barry from the future. From the future. Yeah. yeah, That's why he's so interested in taking care of her. Well, and the, why after the first episode, when he finally just agrees to let him be part of the sit, part of the thing, he went to the uh, to see the paper, and the paper hadn't changed. Mm-hmm. So maybe he was really there to see if he changed things enough to make the paper not happen, because originally he really didn't want Barry to be part of it. Whether that's a trick or not, it's hard to say. I mean, it could be a trick. Anyway, and he could just be a completely new character too. That yeah, that's about. possible, but it's obviously he knows more than he should know. And having all this future nonsense, I mean, I guess he could be Blue Beetle or not Blue Beetle, Booster Gold. Also, no, he's not. Well, they've said we're going to see Booster Gold. Yeah. But if you would have said Rip Hunter, I would have been like, oh. well, no, well, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's possible. I would say yeah. it's a possibility. I find it highly unlikely. I think at this point, if I was a betting man, my money would be on him being a different Barry from the future. Right. Of course, there's always the possibility that he's just something completely off the wall as well. But, you know, we do have a lot of time travelers and. DC Universe, he could be Corona, the master of time! <laughs> no, no. <laughs> they could ride around on a flying sundial? No. You know how Curtis told me no about Rip? Because I was stupid just a second ago? I didn't say you were you stupid. You remember the time when Curtis said that? I guess it was implied. <laughs> right. No, Rob, no. It's never Kronos. Never Kronos. <laughs> I think that he probably is. Barry from the future. Yeah. But if he's not Barry from the future, I think he's just a completely new character that's not tied to anything. Maybe. Because that's what they are trying really hard to make us believe, is that he's just a brand new character that's never been in anything Yeah, before. but if that's what they're trying to make us believe, then it's obvious that it's not the truth. Well, that's why I think he's Barry. Right, okay. Second, seconding to Barry. So you'll be on the same page about that. Okay. okay. It's just, there, there's a lot of history with Eobard and stuff like that. I don't, well, I don't if, think they're going to spoon feed that to those who know it. You know what I mean? But at this point, they haven't gone far enough to show us that. All they've ever shown us is boyfriend guy dating Iris and being a nicey guy. If you, I, and everybody in this room knows that Eobard Thwain Thawne is going to be Professor Zoom, I don't think they're going to go that route. Huh? Just like Walking Dead doesn't follow the comic books. Yeah, but that's a different thing. You know what I mean? The doctor, the wheelchair, all that, that his actions, his attitude does mirror the New 52 version of The Flash, or at least in the beginning. The Doctor, I can't remember what they call him in there. Oh, you're talking about the the fourth uh, Reverse Flash, uh, Daniel. No, this is the, this is the no, Doctor in the wheelchair West? that's trying to help him, or that he put him there, but he ended up betraying him. And this is like oh, in the first story yeah, arc. Yeah, okay. I can't I, remember his name they, though. Yeah, oh, it's in no, the regular. It's in the it's yeah. in the series. This guy, it's not I mean, even, there's a lot of similarities. Uh, you know, that'd be weird if they took a 52 take on it and used that guy. I can't remember the guy's name. But he didn't really. 
He wasn't. He didn't matter. He's still in the background, so yeah, I think. He but. comes in and does a lot of things, but he's not like a super villain guy. But yeah, I know who you're talking about. But he's not a nice guy either. No, he's, he's used. He he uses the the Flash for technological advances or you know mm -hmm. this or that. But. So it's possible that we still have a. Hey, another, another wild card that could be that doesn't connect to anything else, save any fifty two, which I guess is possible. And but the fact that they interesting. I think the coolest part is the fact that they set up pretty much three characters out of the robes already. Oh pretty right. Much. Well yeah, they start with Weather Wizard, then move forward. I haven't seen the new ones yet, but have they set up to where they're gonna form a team yet? Uh he's they've alluded to that. Have I we? mean Captain Cold, the dude they have playing him and he he I had my doubts when I saw him saying, no way, not that dude. But, man, he, well, the Lizard Lizard got fried. Yeah. Yeah. So he may be out, but. I, I'd say this dude plays, the way he plays, it's pretty dead on. I mean, he's pretty ruthless. <laughs> and in the beginning, I think in the old universe, uh, Captain Cole pretty ruthless. And, yeah. I mean, really. And then at the, well. But he still doesn't kill. You know no, I mean? not so. not not women and children. Not women and children. Right. Other people. Oh yeah. Right. Guys. Yeah. We're, we're do we don't have any graces. That's, yeah, that's always been the rogues thing. Is they have some code of honor, even. It, right. So yeah. And they, and they do. There. They do elude to that. But really? he's he's you know, they they've already and he's already um, at the end of the episode talking to someone else with a. A uh, weapon. Yeah, they can't really and I think they're hard. doing the heat wave thing. That's a cool. new character. Yeah. So since you haven't seen them, like, they hit watch really, it. really hard. Take, take that, Ross. I basically told you the ending. I'm yeah, that's fine. That, that episode made Cisco look like a fool. Yeah. He can't even keep track of his own inventions to so stop live. the Flash. You know what I mean? But was he vibe in the? I mean, was he a, like invented? Things and no. was he a not really? No, no this is, they're, they're taking a new element for him. I think it, it, I would be willing to say they're just using the name to use the name. Be, I mean, think about back back to Arrow. We have Speedy, the sister. The sister never existed in the comic books. Thea, he calls her Speedy as a nickname. She's got the pill crushing problem. That's a straight throwback to the origin of Roy. Now, granted, Arrow. Since then, we get Roy also. But he doesn't have the. He gets, of course, he gets the Miracuru injected into him, makes him all crazy or whatever. But ultimately, it's like the nod came to the name through the sister, not through him being. Uh, hopefully, eventually, Arsenal. Name wise, I'm pretty sure they're gonna call him Red Arrow, but yeah. e either direction. I think. I think the Cisco thing. I think they're there right now, just as a name. But right. I think they named them that if they ever want to make them. I can those see that. Characters. Yeah, I can see that. Well, and the thing about the other nod to the whole thing about um, Firestorm and Killer Frost, the way they're connected in the comic books is that Killer Frost has to drain life energy in order to keep herself warm. That's the only reason she's quote-unquote evil is because herself is... The only way she can feel okay is if she's draining the life out of people because nothing else feeds her. Prior to that, she was a scientist that was betrayed by other scientists that turned her into what she is. Hmm. And then she goes after Firestorm, because when she finds Firestorm, hmm. he has a never-ending supply of what she needs in order to make herself feel okay. Hmm. That probably could be taken more ways than one. She just feeds a life force out of him, because the way he works, he's producing he just it. just keeps generating it. So, yeah. Well, that whole origin story sounds awfully 
familiar to right? the, the show so far. No, yeah, it's very close. Yeah, Vibe and, and Killer Frost would be easy to pull off. I mean, but Firestorm, uh, that might be a little hard, but it can be done. I mean, look, at the the flash effects are pretty good. Yeah, I'll give you their budget doesn't seem to be... And the Weather Wizard, I mean, that whole decent, thing. yeah. And then I'll, the stuff they did it. for Captain Cold was pretty good, too. So, I mean, it, who knows? Right. Hasn't the Adam been on Arrow? Yeah. He hasn't been on as the Adam yet, though, no, right? No, just Ray Palmer. It's hard to say if he'll actually take the Adam persona in that show or not. It's possible he might move from one show to the other show if they're going to do that. I but name-wise, he's definitely in there as the Adam. Well, they they did bridge him again. Had uh, Felicity Smoke, is that her name? Yeah. yeah. Visit on the the last episode of the Flash. Okay. I think they're gonna try really hard to make sure that those two are interconnected really well. So there's crossover Ross. Gotta watch. I know. Boom. Crossover Ross. Call it a Rossover. You'll you'll like you'll like how they did Captain Cold. Yeah. I like Captain Cold a lot, anyways. Yeah. So. All right. Well, hopefully that like, gives you some of what you're looking for. Question wise, you have something else, Curtis? No. No. I was just going to say, Brandon Routh posted a picture online of him and being, like, casting, you know, that... Really? ...on his face, and he said, uh, Ray Palmer, hashtag, or whatever, so... That's crazy. Yeah, they may be trying to make it Man, a- all right. It, that's, uh, that's pretty... You know, I think if, if that happens, I still don't think it's going to happen in Arrow. I think it'll happen in The Flash, as another tie together. Because they're going to do that crossover between the two series, is, It'd be interesting if that's where the crossover happened. It was because of that. That'd be cool. Yeah. You know, it'd be really crazy huh. if they end up going like really, really crazy with their effects in this show. They do Gorilla Grodd eventually. We've heard that they're supposed to be doing Gorilla oh, yeah. Grodd. That's the rumor on the street about it. People are saying Gorilla Grodd, Ross. That's awesome. So it should be, a, yeah, man. And if you can do Gorilla Grodd, then you can do any of those. Yeah, so. I agree. Dude on fire? <laughs> Easy. Gorilla Grodd? Giant monkey? Come on. Yeah, I think it'll be good. Anyway, well, hopefully that kind of answers the question, Greg. I, I don't know if it really did or not, but there you go. Thanks for writing in, bud. Yeah, thank you. Anyway, uh, so let's do the top five comics of league standings in the fantasy football. How much longer do I have to do this? Uh, there's till January. Nine more games? January. Mm, yeah, well, it happens. Uh, so uh, Dark Knights currently still in the lead at uh, 998, followed by Emmer Beef 1. At uh, 9.49, followed by the Spirits of Vengeance at 9.20. Then we have Baldass the Brave at 9.17. Uh, the Inhumans at uh, 8.68. Then we have the Suicide Squad at 8.57. Then we have the Donkey Kongs at 8.56. Uh, Jake Cadmo is at 8.21. Josh's King is at 7.87. And the Knights of Unicron are at 776. So the one with the coolest name is at the end. Knights of Unicron? Yeah. Oh, man, I like the, I like the Dark Knights. Where's that from, anyway, Knights of Unicron? That's the Transformers thing. Oh, that's Unicron right. Unicron is a, a planet. Well, I figured it was Craig, so... Yeah, you're right, it is. It is. He's the only worst enemy when he picks players. It's no surprise to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> funny guy with the stuff and the names. Okay, so let's move on to books. Uh, oh, and when we're done, we're going to wrap it up with an interview with Steve Lieber. Okay. Okay, so uh, that's something else I should have said in the beginning. So, you know, read the write-up, people. That's why it's there. <laughs> All right, so uh, Curtis, you want to tell us about some uh, Tooth and Claw? Tooth and Claw, written by Kurt Busick, drawn by Benjamin Dewey, colored by Jordi Belair. 
Uh, it's a very uh, magic-heavy fantasy, which to some it may not be up their alley, but um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's it's quite wordy and it fills backstory very well. Um, some people have gripes about it. I know Steve's had some just little things may say about it, but little things. Uh, we'll get through it. So anyway, we open with a uh, what kind of dog is this? Bull terrier. Bull terrier. These are anthropomorphic animals set in a fantasy world. So uh, we open with a bull terrier, and we meet him, and he's uh, we meet him, and he's living with his dad, and, and he wakes up in the morning and goes out to let the sprites out of the uh, lamps outside that light the pathway at night, and uh, we also see. Not only are there anthropomorphic animals, but we see a giant flying squid that somebody's riding into a city. And uh, we see the backdrop of the city, and it's very fantasy. And this is called uh, the 17th City, and evidently there's 17 of them, and this is the last of them. And we know, we can see that uh, it's a city in the sky, kind of like Jetsons, but not futuristic. And we learn that it's being held up by magic. And we learn through the story that magic is waning, uh, they're running out of their magic, kind of like Green Lanterns run out of their... Emerald light power? Yeah. That's, they fixed that. And the, anyway, yeah, the magic is, is dwindling in the universe. And we find out that he, that he pays a lot of homage to his gods. And I think the, the highest god is Idente. And uh, we meet his dad, who's a, a bull terrier as well. And his dad is a, a higher up in this city. And uh, he's going down to um, below on the on the surface, surface mm -hmm. to meet with these giant bison men who are supplying him with uh, stuff that he needs. And in return, he's giving them some type of magic crystals, crystals or something yeah. like that. But they've given three times as much as they usually do, and his dad's not living up to his part of the bargain, they think. So... His dad kind of smites him. This kid's name is Dunstan, by the way. I don't think I covered that. That's all right. I don't think we learned the dad's name. I don't think they said it. I can't remember that. And he he's, not wearing a, uh, he's not wearing a Bud Light t-shirt No, or a Target circle on his eye. No. Anyway, so these, this bison's like, well, you, don't, you, you haven't done what I wanted to, and this bison's name is Seven Scar. And uh, Dad smites him and says, we're not dealing with Seven Scar anymore, so if anybody wants to speak with me, we'll find somebody else. And they fly back up to their uh, little uh, place in the sky. He smites him with lightning. Smites him with magic. Magic lightning. Mm -hmm. So we awesome. see all these uh, dirigibles flying into this port city, and uh, they're evidently they're having a colloquy, colloquy, a meeting of wizards to find out how they can bring back their wizard power. And they're in this uh, meeting, and they're speaking, and uh, this one lady, uh, she's a, what are they called, boar? A warthog. A warthog. Yeah. And her name is Garta, and she's speaking about trying to find, um, trying to get the magic brought back in a quicker fashion by releasing or contacting the champion who created this magic and opened the doors to magic. And uh, this is a... I mean, it's an ancient story. They haven't talked to the gods in 257 years. Why would they think, why would, they're asking her, why would she think that this would work? And she just kind of lets her case and lets them know, hey, let's try this. 
Um, I need 16 of the best wizards to help me create this portal to the, uh, the, champion. the champion. Well, yeah, and the idea is she's reaching back in time with the magic to when the champion first released magic into the world, mm -hmm. and she's wanting to capture part of the magic he releases and bring it to the present to fuel everyone. And again. to bring him through yeah. to meet him and find out if he can reopen these doors. And they go through a bunch of spells, and we meet a bunch of characters that are different species. We meet eagles, owls, rats, rats, everybody, oh, rabbits. And uh, so they convene on this one location. She's going through everybody talking to him, and there's one uh, wizard that thinks that she, he, she should be talking to him because he's better than all these other ones. So they go to this location to set this up. And uh, all 16 are there, and they begin their connection to the champion, and they start faltering in their power. And she's trying to keep them, hey, remain strong, remain strong. And they lose control, I guess you could say, focus. Yeah, it's They like don't have enough focus to keep the connection with the champion. Well, it seems to be that it starts to work. And in the process of starting to work, a couple of them freak out, and they're like, oh, I can't believe it's working. Mm -hmm. As they, they, their power wanes, and that causes uh, everyone else to try to compensate. Mm -hmm. And since the the ship is fueled by, or the city magic. is fueled by magic, it starts draining the magic from the city. Yeah. Sucking, it, to, sucking all the magic power yeah. from the spells that are used to keep the city afloat. Right. And so we go through that, and the power was waning, and it starts sucking out the power, and there's a big explosion where they're trying to bring through the champion. Right. And uh, they think they have the champion, but they don't have enough power to keep him at that point, and that's when the city explodes, or it breaks apart, kind of like the Titanic. Yeah, basically all the, all the magic that was holding the city up gives way, and it basically crumbles, like sinking into the ocean, except it's sinking to the ground. And we follow our character. He, he survives the fall. Right. with his owl friend, and uh, his dad does not survive. And he, there's a big point about his dad didn't want to be, it's the worst place to be buried in the ground now, because they have to bury him. So we find out that there's a strong connection f through magic. And uh, Dunstan was going, was supposed to go with his father to another area to learn his new way in life. What his position would be. Yeah. yeah he, he's basically just mourning his father's loss to his owl friend, and as as he talks to her, he, tell, he talks about all the stuff he was supposed to do with his dad, mm -hmm. and now his dad's dead. And we find they've made groups to go out and find people and uh, see if there's any survivors throughout this giant city. And we see the warthog break through all this debris and like, hey, I got something over here to come see it. And it's a big green sphere of magic. And she thinks that she's contained the champion. And she thinks that he's coming through. And there's a big explosion, and we see all these uh, bison people that were there on the on the land coming toward this green light, and it looks like they're somewhat possessed now because they have red eyes. Yeah, and it's hard to say what that's about, but uh, like while he's the voiceover we're getting, I'm pretty sure it's from Dunstan, and he's talking about how this changed everything. We didn't realize how much it changed everything, and then you see the bison men who look awesome, mm -hmm. coming through the dark, and their eyes are all glowing red, and they're coming towards where the explosion was, which is where all these animal wizards are at. And, and then, 
on the last page we see a fox lady riding a giant Turtle, I think. No, it's a uh, grasshopper. Oh, yeah, grasshopper. Cricket or grasshopper, or no, a roach. Yeah. This is what it looks like. A giant roach. We don't know, and she's like, "What's the? What's that all about?" So we don't know who she is, but she's coming to discover what we what we don't even know. And she's just like a cowboy. Yeah, and we don't even know if the champion's there, but I'm pretty sure we're gonna find out who the champion is and what species he is gonna be because that was a big so. contention over people. Yeah, they talked about how there was wars fought about yeah, it. Yeah, and they wanted, hey, it's gonna be the dogs, it's gonna be the the rabbits or the owls, yeah, a number of them. So, right. well, there's even there's bears too. Yeah. So it, I I thoroughly enjoyed the book. Um, yeah, it was it was really good. It was up my alley. It is very magic centric, and we don't see everything about it, but we'll learn. And uh, hopefully, it goes on and becomes. I, I want to know who the champion is. Right. What species? I think it's going to be a human. Yeah. Which is going to be weird, and this may all be after humans died off or anything like that. So. Yeah, I kind of wonder about that. I, I kind of agree with that idea too. Yeah. Like, I think there's another thing. Like, they, when I was reading, I got a lot of animosity for the people that lived on the ground, uh -huh. the people who live in the. In the yeah, because they served them. Yeah, and it was really big for the dad to be like, "Don't ever let them think they can get over on you." Uh -huh. you know, that you have to be almost too cruel. Right. So. Don't show any weakness. weakness. Yeah. It's a great score book. I'm gonna give it a four and a half. I really enjoyed it. It's two ninety nine, and there is a buttload of pages in it. Right, it's and really it, long. It's, it is a pretty big book. Yeah, it's, it's four, really forty eight pages. Is it? Mm. Yeah. So you're buying, or you're getting double right. for two ninety nine. Ross, I'd give it a four and a half too. Yeah. Yeah, I like a lot of the concepts in it and the, the magic, and of course the animals. Mm -hmm. Right. But yeah, and the value too is awesome. Right. Four and a half. Mr. Mike. It wasn't exactly what I was expecting when I first heard about it, but uh, it, it, there's a little more magic involved than what I thought it would be. And you're uh, not a big fantasy guy anyway. No, not normally. Um, but the lead character is a bull terrier. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I'll give it a four. And the, the art, the art's fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, I'd like to see it. It'll be interesting to see where, what happens next. I'd like to see some black and white art to see how far the colorist actually took it because. That's true. I mean, they are, they are in and of itself. The line work's amazing, but I'd like to see where the colors comes in. Right. Mr. Rob? Um, yeah, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I give it a, a four. I, I thought it was really solid. I actually really, there's a cool little thing at the back of it as well where mm -hmm. the writer's kind of like talking to people about getting them on board to do the book. It's like everybody just kind of signed up without really knowing what it was going to be. Yeah. So. And each one of them, it shows like the... Uh, the avatar for the whoever's talking is mm -hmm. one of the characters is yeah yeah but yeah I, I thought it was fantastic I really liked the artwork on it a lot so all right um you know I the art's great I mean it really is and the story seems it's interesting enough it just dragged so much for me and I don't know if that's because all the prep work that like the backstory stuff they were given about the the city and the boy and the gods. And I maybe normally I'm okay with it. For whatever reason, when I was reading this, I'm just like, man, it's like you're pulling my freaking teeth. What if you cut that book in half? You know, the second half definitely is more interesting. I'll give you that. 
So maybe if there's a little less setup for me, it'd be okay. Which is terrible, because <laughs> that's not how normally I am. I'm normally like, I don't understand any of this. I'm super pissed. So, score-wise, you know, I give it a three. Like, it, it, it is entertaining, and the second half I like a lot better than the first half. So maybe it's just because the first half was so slow. I mean, I... See, well, they do have I that page like at the beginning. It's like the second page that's all text. Yeah. It's like, like yeah. reading a page out of a novel, maybe, maybe and there's a part lot. That killed it for me. They, they stuffed a lot in that, so uh, that was a lot to take in. But. Yeah. Maybe that's what made maybe that, maybe that's what bring my draw. Because I don't dislike it. I'm interested enough to read the next one. But, man, I kind of hate the crap out of Batgirl 35, and I'm still willing to read 36 just to see where it goes. Uh-huh. So that's not good, I guess. But <laughs> as far as score is concerned, yeah, I give it a three. Like, the art's good. It's a solid book. The the characters are all pretty cool. I mean, that bear character when he's throwing up, awesome. Yeah. God, it looks so crazy. And the eyes poking out of the Oh, my God, yeah. Like, the second half of the book is just so much explosion, and the first half, it feels like it takes a minute to get there. So maybe if they would have cut part of the, part of the end with the, the last spell and put it as flashbacks to where you were seeing him as young before his father's death, rather than going with pace of the book, mm-hmm. maybe I would have liked it better then. So maybe just a breakup thing I don't know obviously yeah. you guys liked it so I don't you know no, I, I, I don't I don't dislike that, but... it but I you know I can't can't score it that high just because as I was reading I'm like man what the where are we going to get this something is it, is it the, all of a sudden it gets crazy. like is it the best first issue no right but yeah okay. I mean price wise art it's backstory I like yeah, the, I like the backstory like I said it was a good book yeah but I, yeah, for, we're for fighting me, for the same cause here. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> for me, I would tell you if if, if you're going to pick it up, don't quit after page four. Where for a minute there, I thought about it, and I'm like, no, Steve, don't 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 do that. Because that wall of text page, oh my god. Well, I, you, at I the time you were reading that, you were being heckled. That's true. I was. That, that's a good point. I wasn't being heckled. <laughs> uh, maybe it's just the people that were in. People that are with me caused me not to like the book. Well, that's and me. you did have to put it down like three you, times. You know, I say you probably just read alone. Everyone read alone <laughs> by yourselves. You know, preferably not while you're pooping because it's gross a little bit. It's the best place to read. No, 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 no. God, don't ever buy books from this man. <laughs> okay, uh, so let's move on to the next book, John Carter and Mars. <laughs> John Carter, what are you laughing about? You're a tart. Knucklehead. I know. Uh, Rob? Um, well, this is written by Ron Mars, and the art is for a name that I could never possibly pronounce. Habeshik. Oh my gosh. Malsuni. However, it is fantastic artwork. It is. So, Surprisingly from Dynamite. Hey. What? No, they haven't had a fair run, okay? Yeah. It it is it turns out really well, but uh, we go ahead and open up to Dexthora's captured, and um, we quickly find out that she's been imprisoned in Barsu, which is the, or Barsoon. I'm sorry, which is the capital city of mm-hmm. Mars. Yep. And um, there's somebody who's there who's conquered the city, and she's basically like, oh, well, you can't possibly take all of Mars. There's far more than just the cities, and of course you haven't beat our, our greatest warrior yet, you haven't beaten John Constantine, John Carter, John yeah. Constantine. She hasn't beaten John Constantine yet. Well, that's because right. he, he's on Earth, he's casting spells. Mm, true, true. Um, not that he's in this book, because he's not. Pretty quickly, we uh, we have kind of an older, one of the Red Mars uh, people revealed, who is evidently one of the kind of scientist type that she's always kind of overlooked. 
And uh, she makes a big thing of how he betrayed them. And he's like, oh, well, I didn't realize you even knew who I was. You guys always ignore me, only worried about your precious John Carter. And he reveals this kind of, like, creepy-looking bug thing that evidently will, uh... Like a truth sermon. Basically do, like, a truth sermon, like, use it on Deja. It's like that earwig from Star Trek. A little bit, except it doesn't eat your brain. Well, it should. Well, it did check off well. <laughs> Man. Jeez. <laughs> but, um, while she's under the influence of the bug juice, <laughs> <laughs> um, the mysterious captor basically, like, starts questioning her about her place in Mars and what uh, what, what deal with Barsu is, and so we kind of get a big overview of the different races of Mars. So we have the green men, the red men, the yellow men, the black men, and the crazy dangers of Mars, including the, the white apes and like these kind of crazy lion things. So if you've been following any of the Warlord series, like you're kind of familiar with these guys. If you're not, it's a great way to check and find out about them. And then we introduce... John Carter and uh, his his ally Tars Tarkas. Tars Tarkas, yeah. We introduce them and kind of why they're super special to this story. And he kind of basically says, "Oh, it doesn't matter. You know, I have this whole army of people that are just great. You know, they're, they're very vicious warriors. They just don't have military tactics, and that's why they came to me for that. So, just like all these other worlds before, your world will fall." And we catch up with. Uh, Tars Targus and uh, John out, and they're actually battling like a whole battalion of these troops. And in the end, they wind up like actually defeating them all, including John, like smashing a, one of their one of their starships down. And uh, Targus and he both kind of realize that this was probably just a diversion, mm-hmm. and that they need to make their way back to uh, Barsu. And he destroyed their only way back. Yeah. So they're gonna have to. So they're gonna have to find ride a path. Yeah. To helium, I believe is. Yeah, the to helium. Yeah. To. Um, but at the very end of it, you know, the guy's basically like, oh, you know, you're, you're playing him up too high. You know, there's no way that John Carter, like one man, can make such a big difference. And she's like, well, I'm under the influence of the truth bug. There's no way that I could tell you lies about this, right? And he's like, well, you know, he's not the only Earth man on Mars anymore, and it's revealed that he's a general that would have been opposed to him on Earth. Mm-hmm. And so his physical traits should be about the same as John's mm-hmm. and they've actually faced each other before and so he's counting on fighting John and having the upper hand and then taking his forces after the conqueror of Mars to Earth so pretty crazy first issue cover a lot of ground get pretty much all the major players that you're going to need to have in there and plus you bring in another Earth character to like Balance out John's incredible powers. So, so Rob score book. Um, I enjoyed it a lot actually. I've, I've been doing the Warlord of Mars for a while. I think this was a, a really great new take. I was really excited with it, and I like them bringing in this other Earthman. They've they've done a story with I think a, a similar character, if not this same character before, and it just kind of fell apart. And I feel like this one's a lot stronger. So I I give it three and a half. So. Cool. Ms. Curtis? I'll give it a three and a half, too. Um, this is the first Warlord of Mars, Dejathoris, whatever of Mars that I've read. And mm. uh, I actually enjoyed it. I stay away from it simply because I don't like Dejathoris. I don't like her design. If she had more clothes, which is weird. If she had more clothes, I think I'd buy it a little more. That is strange. It is weird. But 
well, I just don't think like Red Sonia should be dressed the way she is because she's a warrior. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I just don't think that. That's the same way I think of this. And I know it seems weird, but as much of like the Warlord of Mars series as I've read, after a while you just don't even notice it. Right. Because like. Even more than Deja, you know, you got every guy that shows up in the story is the same way. It's just loincloth, and that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, so... That's what I like. <laughs> you, you just get... You, you get to a point after a while that you're just like, it doesn't even matter. Yeah, right. Whatever, okay, Deja's over there in the corner. <laughs> I like this dog. I'm going to give it a three and a half, too. Um, th- there is a little bit that it feels like you're missing, but I'm going to give it a three and a half. Cool. Is Ross? Pretty much everything Curtis said was exactly what I was gonna say. So Man. three and a half to you. Like his dog yeah, and the like loincloths. <laughs> well, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna ignore that part. Okay, so the, same as Curtis, my loincloths. Yeah, my first. So he doesn't want a on. I go. You know, I'm thinking that probably that makes it worse the way I said it. <laughs> okay. Uh, we can get Mike's <laughs> opinion now. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Mike. Well, I've always liked the, the Warlord of Mars stuff. I read some of the books when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and Marvel had a series oh, yeah. that I enjoyed. Right. Um, but I haven't read any of the other Dynamite stuff, So, but I read this one. It's 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 pretty good. I give it a three and a half. It's a pretty good first first issue for somebody that's never, that's not real familiar with it. Right. Cool. Yeah, I follow suit. Uh, art-wise, it, it looks awesome. And as far as stories are concerned, they did a bunch of miniseries here and there. I think the miniseries you were talking about, Rob, before was The Warriors of Mars. Uh-huh. And it dealt with uh, the couple of Confederate guys. Yeah. So I kind of like that we're going back to that with this story. And that's it, it's different than all the other stuff they did before. But as far as, like, Start Off is concerned, they really go over, like, all the different species in the first, like, three pages. Yeah. So uh, as far as setup of the plant's concerned, awesome. Because even if you miss part of that and say you didn't read White Apes, it doesn't matter. You know they exist. Same as the Disney movie, which it shouldn't have, because it was awesome. It was a good movie. It was great. Yeah, I give it a three also. Hey, score-wise, maybe it was a good book. I kind of feel like uh, this might actually be, like, like if you've seen just the movie, this is the where you go next. Because mm-hmm. they don't really do the John Carter oh, yeah, story. That's right. But, like, they catch you up on all the other stuff that they've been doing. So. Yeah, it's no... Skipping all the weird Deja Thor stuff that they did. That, yeah, that's a good point. It's no uh, Battlefield Earth, but... <laughs> oh, my God. oh my God! What could be bad? I mean, Travolta with the nose plugs in. I love it. Uh, crazy predator hair, sort of. That. Oh my God! I like yeah. it because Barry Pepper was in it, and I love Barry Pepper. <laughs> Platonically. Don't worry if you say so. All right. Oh God. <laughs> man. Okay. Uh, so let's move on to. I want to say nailbiter. Word. Uh, Mr. Mike, you want to walk us through some Hellbiter? I can try. All right. Give him a Jack and Coke, and he'll be good. It's think... by uh, Joshua Williamson, uh, art by Mike Henderson. All right. Um, and this is featuring a very special guest. Yes, it is. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis, we start off with, running through the dark, screaming for help. Yes, he does mean Jeff, Brian Michael Bendis, the comic book Arthur. Yes. Arthur? Author? Yeah, writer of uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. Don't name them all. Uh, Powers. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. X-Men. Yeah. So, a lot of stuff. But then we uh, have a flashback to 
so they can show us how he got to where he was. And he's decided to come to Buckaroo to do some research for a, for a new book he's working on based on all the serial killer uh, stuff. Um, he's supposed to go on a ride along with the, the sheriff, uh, but she blows him off. Uh, Not enough time. Right. And uh, informs him that you can go ahead and talk to the townsfolk, but if, you, if I hear you're being a real pain, you're out. You're out. <laughs> Um, and at this point, I'm thinking, eh, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> it moves on, and... Uh, He's kind of eavesdropping on some of the characters that have played a bigger part in the book. And I can't remember Carol the... Finch. The Finch guy, yeah, Finch. Yeah. Um, talking about what's happened up till... She, she's an FBI agent. Oh, an FBI agent. Yeah, she's the one after him now. Like, the, the guy who's in the hospital to see is his partner that in the first issue. That he's been missing. looking for? yeah. And uh, like Bendis is basically sneaking around, just eavesdropping on people throughout the first part of the book. Right. And that's what he's doing outside this window in the hospital room. That's, that's really how we envision Bendis. You, you know, maybe <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Fly, on, fly on the wall. But the FBI agents dug up some dirt on Finch, right. and he doesn't really care. He's 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 pretty po'd. Right. Um, but Bendis leaves, he got what he wanted there, and then he starts uh, talking to various townspeople and to varying varying results. Uh, right. Uh, tell them to go away or just little comments. GFY. Um, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, there must be 30 panels on these yeah, two pages. Easily. It's pretty cool how they laid it out and did it. Um, but he did finally get somebody to, he finally got somebody to talk to him. Um, a guy that said his younger brother was one of the, one of the serial the killers, the Whistler, yes. And they talked about the, the Whistler and about how it relates to his family and, and Buckaroo and uh, how he kind of feels self-conscious about it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it makes a point where he mentions in there that he feels kind of responsible and Bendis is like, well, you can't, you can't, you can't blame yourself. yourself. He's like, no, but I taught him all the whistle. Yep. And then <laughs> Bendis is like, hmm? uh, okay, and then the guy leaves. And... Uh, um, Bendis is sitting there, and uh, there's a, a voice off-panel. It's all be damned, it really is you. And uh, it turns out to be... Uh, the nail-biter. The nail-biter himself, and wants Bendis to sign some comics for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really pretty, yeah, really pretty funny that that's... Because from that point, they make a couple other comments about, people don't know they read comics, do they? Because that'd probably be a bad thing for comics. Well, it, it's awesome that... He realizes that's Bendis, and Bendis realizes that's him. Right. <laughs> so it's kind of cool the way they did that. Yeah, it is cool. And I, you know, and, and the way they they interact with each other, the nail biter says, well, we're really the same. Yeah. We both kill people. Right. Yeah. And instead of blood on your hands, you have ink. Right. And Bendis really isn't. He's want not, not, yeah. not buying that. He said, no, well, you killed him. He names various Marvel characters that he's killed off. He said, you didn't create him, but you killed him. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much the same. Yep. Wasp and Hawkeye. And so they, they, they go on uh, back and forth and back and forth um, for a little bit. And then the Elbiter just up and disappears. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had mentioned a, a serial killer graveyard. Yeah. He also uh, warned him about the dark place of the, a story about the Bucker Bonsai psychos can take you and you want to stay away from that part of the story. You don't jump down the rabbit hole. Yeah. But he kind of goes looking for him, and he's gone. 
and he ju- he uh, happens upon the serial killer graveyard, and he starts looking around and says, "Yeah, okay." Um, graves, and there's, and he finds an empty grave, and he finds a finds a ladder, like a rope ladder. Yeah, that goes down into a hole, and like a dumbass, <laughs> I shouldn't be doing. This. Yep, he knows he's doing the wrong thing. So he goes down there, and he's got his phone. He's got it lit up, and he starts to look around. He hears some something, maybe some whistling, I'm assuming. Yeah. But it's so dark, he can't tell where it's coming from. And then he runs across this wall. It looks like it's been painted with fresh blood. So like cave, cave drawn yeah. style. And he starts to get a little scared. Yeah, freaked, yeah, freaked out. And uh, he starts running, and then he runs into the sheriff, who escorts him out and kind of explains the wall in a way that's not going to, he's not going to pursue it. Mm-hmm. Well, they went back to find his phone. Oh, yeah. And she didn't see any of the painting or the blood on the wall. Right, but she, she explained it away, yeah. so he wouldn't, you know, she just wants to get rid of it. And uh, at that point, he's done, he's gone, and he's at a, uh, like a com- maybe a comic shop doing a signing. Yeah. And he gets a note passed to him and says, I let you live in the caves, but I'll be watching you. Mm-hmm. So it's a little uh, unnerving for him. Um, then we go to an epilogue where uh, Finch and the sheriff, she takes him down there to look at the, uh, look at the wall. Mm-hmm. And they find some, there's fresh blood and then there's older stuff like it's been painted over. For a, for a while. Yeah, been quite a while. Yeah, like really old blood paintings. And they just kind of ends right there. Yeah, the, earlier during when he's in the park with the nailbiter, there's a point where, or just before the nailbiter, when he's talking to the brother of the whistler, the brother says something about, he asked him why he, why he didn't ever leave the town with his family. He said, well, it seems like all the killers go crazy after they leave the town. After they leave. And right. like that, that was a fairly interesting nod, I think, to what's going on. So maybe you don't actually snap get nuts unless you try to leave. Right. But why or how? Yeah. yeah, so he kind of be kind of like, well, maybe well, if he leaves, he'll... Yeah, that's what he alludes to. And then after that, he's like, I've got to go because it rains a lot here. Because his brother went down to Florida. Yep. And had people captive. And as he was killing, killing them, them, he, he was whistling. Yeah. That's where he got his name. The Whistler, because he whistled while he was. And there was another part where he was talking to him in the, by the swing set. Yeah. And uh, he says, he says maybe I'll just go share my comics with the kids. And Bendis steps in front of him like I don't oh, think so. It's the nail buyer that says that. Oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and Bendis is like I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. And he says I never killed any kids, and he says I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put it past you or something like that. Right. That was a good interaction between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I really thought that the whole Bendis thing was going to be, it's a, a, like, you know, like a, a gimmick. gimmick. Yeah. But it, it really wasn't, it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That actually, it, it felt like it, it, it felt like it, it, it was meant to be there, you know what right. I mean? It wasn't forced. It's, yeah, it's not like some of the other stuff you've seen in books. Yeah. You know, like uh, there was that issue of uh, FF with Matt Fraction and somebody, and that was just, oh, yeah, that, that was, was legit. Right. Or this, didn't, didn't Alan Moore write himself into a swamp yeah, thing at he one did. point? Yeah, but this this was good. I mean, this was like more realistic. Um, so the score? I'll give it a three and a half. That's right. it. It was pretty good. Pretty Rob. good. Rob, um, I, I like what they did with it. I, I feel like it's more like a transition between story arcs mm-hmm. kind of issue to me. 
So I, I'd probably give it a three. But I, I still enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done. So. Yeah. Um, I would follow with a three also. Like, the, the art's fine. I mean, it's the same style art throughout the whole series. But the cave paintings, the way they explain that away, and just the, it, it does feel like a transition piece, book-wise, because not a whole lot of shockingness happens except for finding the paintings and the fact that they know about them. But as far as the story is concerned, it's actually kind of fun. It's like watching the dude running around being a retard, which is, I guess, not the best way to describe anything. Sorry, people. Curtis, score. It's actually, it felt like an actual... TV episode. Right, yeah. It, it didn't feel fan, I didn't see that. fantasized or, you know what I mean? So, um, I liked it a lot and I love the art in it. And right. I don't know why I like it so much. But it is it is a feeling issue almost. Um, it's just a story arc, feeling issue, story arc. Right. So we're going to lead into something else new. I'm going to give it a three and a half. Cool. By its standards itself as Nilobiter, it's substandard to me. Right. Um, well, most other issues have had, like, post-counting right. stuff happening. This one really doesn't have that. But it, it's still, it, I still want to read it. And, the, right. and they did end it. I mean, they ended the story mm. by him getting that note. Oh, yeah. He's not going to well, yeah, pursue anything because he's scared the hell out of and him. And he could bring him back at some other and point. And he decided, uh, now nah, that book, book idea I had just too dark. I'm yeah. not going to do it. Yep. So, yeah, he just decided to drop the whole thing. So they ended the story that way. Mm -hmm. So right. there's not, it's not going to go anywhere else. Yeah, it was good. Ms. Ross? I'd give it a three and a half, too. Art's really good, and like you guys have said, it's a really nice standalone story. Right. Uh, I haven't read anything else around it, so right. to me it made sense and everything, so that was cool. Yeah, I didn't feel like if you hadn't read a couple issues before, you wouldn't really be lost. Granted, you, don't, you might not understand the entire backup of what's happening, but as far as the story is concerned, I mean, you're not really lost in it. Just some of the things are wasted on you, I guess. It, ex yeah. it explains just enough, so right. you know what's going on. Exactly, that's what, that's what I meant. Not necessarily wasted because it was Ross, just in general. <laughs> <That's the, laughs> yeah. Alright, so uh, let's move on to uh, The Eternal Warrior. Uh -huh. And it's number one, this is... Days of Steel. Days of Steel. Issue one. And uh, so Eternal Warrior, if, it's from Valiant. Good stuff, though, as far as books are concerned. Uh, this is Peter Milligan. Milligan? Milligan. Milligan? Milligan? Yeah. Is that right? Peter Milligan. Carrie okay. Armstrong. Yeah, that's no, great. Yeah. Well, Milligan, used to, he started out writing the Red Lanterns. And the Hellblazer. Mm -hmm. He did some Hellblazer. Well, it, it, the book itself is pretty entertaining, mm -hmm. actually. Um, the way it opens up, we've got our Eternal Warrior, uh, Gilad, Gil, 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 Gilhad. Annie Patty. Yeah, it, it's well. Or you could call him Eternal Warrior because it makes it easier. And he's, he's, e that's not, that's good. <laughs> I like that. They should call him E.W., e but all right. Anyway, so uh, he's basically reminiscing about all the battles he's been through. So we see him like in a battle that I would say was, oh, gosh, maybe pre-Roman. And then we see very much a chariot fight. And he's going over how he, he's been in all these different battles and saved pharaohs and saved kingdoms and toppled kingdoms and all this bloodshed on his hands, and he feels like everything he's been told to do is from the Geomancer, who is an entity that speaks to him about how to protect the Earth, mm -hmm. or how to move society in a way that won't destroy the Earth. Um, and he's been doing this for, for centuries. He's an eternal, he's an immortal. So he's a tree hugger? Yeah, well, you know, I don't know if you'd call him a tree hugger necessarily, but 
the geomancer uses animals to talk to him and like Beastmaster. Yeah, so <laughs> it's not. I don't know if we've ever even seen a geomancer. If it's just an entity that exists, like, I don't. I don't remember if we've ever seen. I don't him. know if we've seen him in this new. The run, new stuff? But the old run that we used to. Did we? Okay. I think so. You know, I didn't read the Eternal Warrior before, so I didn't know that. Anyway, um, so we get a few more shots of battles he's been in, and Minnie's killed. We get a lot of killing, which is awesome. Uh, and then he decides uh, one day he's just done. Like, he doesn't believe the Geomancer knows what's best for the world, and he's not sure he can trust him. And what he's seen, all he ever sees is death and destruction. He never sees any good come from it. So he's basically decided he's done. And he decides to walk the earth like Kane from Kung Fu, but not get any adventures. Because he wants his life to mean nothing and do nothing and not shape anything. Kane, so, Kane the wrestler? Kane, no. Kane from Kane. Kung Fu. From Kung Fu. I didn't know that was his name. David Carradine? The guy Kane. that... The closet, the rope thing? The... Yeah, oh. dude. Man, Steve, why you gotta bring up old shit? Hey. Always. I just wanna clarify. Man, yeah, you is it, uh... Anyway, he, so he decides to walk the earth and not get into trouble. That's what he decides to do. So no rope, no pantyhose. Ah, man. <laughs> anyway, we come into a battle that's happening where we've got one group um, slaughtering the city. And he basically just walks right through the battle and doesn't do anything. And then we get him through the city, and now we're in the outskirts of the city. And we've got a husband-wife combo, and they're running away trying to escape, escape the destruction. And the wife's yelling at the husband because of them running and he says well you're both she says well my both my brothers would, would beat you to death for if you he threatens the whipper is what he threatens to do he he asks her if he needs a whipper with the horse whip to get her to leave the city and uh she's like my brothers will kill you and he's like your brothers were both killed yesterday and so uh no anyway um they come across a batch of uh these uh again i can't remember what they're called they're, they're mag mag guards mag guards uh, the name of the, the mag guards yeah mag guards mm -hmm. Run across them, and we've got three of them on horseback, and of course, they're just out of the battle, and they don't care about the husband whatsoever, and they see the wife, and the, the lead one is like, yeah, I've been hungry, this this will satisfy my hunger, uh, and so you hear her screaming while the husband runs away like a coward into the forest. Uh, then we cut from there to the Eternal Warrior, and he's out in the, uh, walk in the woods, sleeping in caves, talking to himself about how he's living his days, meaning nothing, doing nothing, causing no shift in the world. And it's what it's a night and he's got a fire going in the in this cave, all of a sudden a black crow flies in and it starts talking to him. And of course it's the Geomancer, and the Geomancer tells him there's a whole civilization of people getting destroyed by the Magyars. Uh, you've got to stop them because they they have they mean very important things to the world. And he basically calls him out and is like, Yeah, you know what, I don't really believe you. And he straight up grabs the bird, just choking the bird. <laughs> Which, it should be pretty obvious the bird's not actually the Geomancer. Anyway, he's choking the bird. And uh, he tells the bird that he doesn't believe him. And the bird's like, you just have to do one thing. You don't have to get in the war. You just have to protect a child. A child you'll meet under a blood moon. And he's like, whatever, bird. And so the bird flies away. And he's left to himself again. And he continues to walk. Well, we cut from there to seeing the husband and wife. And this has got to be nine, eight, nine months later. And the wife is very pregnant. And the husband's come back to her and found her, and of course he's very, I'm sorry, you know you can't ever not hate me, blah, 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 but I'm here to help you, and here to help the baby, whether it's mine or not. And she's like, yeah, basically just rails him for being a, a, a coward. And he's like, well, I'd be dead, and you'd be alone. Anyway, about the time she decides to give birth to the baby. And then we cut to a group of uh, 
I guess we could call them remnants from the battle. The, the Maiars didn't kill everyone, so there's different pockets of resistance still. And uh, we wind up running across a pocket of them, and in the process, we get some voiceover stuff about the Eternal Warrior, and he's like, he couldn't get the, the thought out of his head of saving this child, and how this child was supposed to be super important and be the savior of these people, and if you save the child, you'll save the race. And it, it, for him, it's, he usually doesn't save things, usually he just kills things. So for whatever reason, that stuck with him, and he winds up coming across these guys in the woods about the same time there's a group of... of the Magyars that attack them, and he walks through the battle again, does nothing. And he continues to walk, and he continues to think about what the bird said, till eventually he winds up hearing a woman scream, and he looks up at the moon, and he sees it's a blood moon. And he recites the entire passage from the bird about finding the, the child under a blood moon, and how it would have a birthmark. Anyway, we cut from there to find the husband and wife, and uh, of course, the two of them are in the woods, and she's screaming because she just had the baby. And he comes up on them, and uh, she pulls a knife and tells him that she'll kill him and never to stay away. And he tells her that, "Oh, I'm not, I'm not with the Maiards." Of course, the uh, the husband initially thinks he's just another barbarian there to to cause problems. And she uh, she tells him he doesn't even look like one of them. He he's not. He they can't possibly be. And so he uh, he kind of befriends them a little bit. It's very quickly though, because all of a sudden we have. A, that a group of Maiards find them, and apparently there's been a rule written by the New Kingdom that you can't gather in groups of more than four. Well, at this point, there's the Eternal Warrior, the husband, the wife, and the child. So the guy who's leading that group says they've broken the law, and then now they're going to have to punish them. Well, it turns out that the guy that is leader of that group is the same guy that was leader of the group that had their way with her. So automatically she freaks out, and the Eternal Warrior's like, I'll protect the child, and so he just slaughters the dudes. He jacks them up real good. And while he's fighting, he's like, oh, it's been months since I fought, this feels so good, and the blood, and... He basically just reminisces about how awesome he is at fighting. <laughs> and he kills the hell out of all those guys. And until we get to the very end, where uh, he draws down the last guy, and of course it's the uh, leader of the group, and he's got a knife to the baby and the woman, and he tells him, tells him that he's going to kill the mother if he doesn't stop, and the child. And we see the birthmark on the child is like a red dot on her cheek, and I don't remember a character from Valiant that has that red dot. I'm sure there must be, but I don't remember one. Uh, anyway, uh, it's pretty entertaining. Like Book-wise, it's a miniseries, so it's a six-part, so whoever this character is, either going to want it being something important, and this is how they're introducing him to the universe, or it's just another story to get people familiar with the Eternal Warrior, I guess, maybe? Um, but book-wise, it was pretty, it was pretty entertaining. I don't know. It's revenge and death and murder type stuff going on, so, I don't know. It's like Conan, but not Conan. And I like Conan. <laughs> kind of a lot. By Crom. By Crom. Um, yeah, I give it a three. I mean, the art is really solid. Like, it, it looks great. The fight sequences are awesome. Um, as far as story, I mean, the story's not bad, but again, I don't really know where it's trying to go. But I imagine that's why there's more to read, right? <laughs> uh, Mr. Rosh, let's go for the book. He's the Eternal Warrior. He looks like a badass. I'll give it a uh, three. Alright. Right, like I like the barbarian part, but it's not necessarily my thing for the most part. Right. So, on personal preference alone, I give it a three. Cool. Uh, Mr. Mike? Oh, I'll give it a three. It's okay. Alright. Uh, I probably go ahead and follow it with a three. I like 
what they've done with the Eternal Warriors so far and the new Valiant stuff. Um, I'm interested to see where it's going to go because it doesn't get us all the way cut up to moderate times. It's, to me, it's not one of their stronger characters, at least for me, in the Valiant line. Oh, the Eternal Warrior? Yeah, for me anyway. I like how he's connected to uh, Archer and Armstrong. I think that fits him into that world better. And I think that the uh, the Geomancer has the potential to be a really interesting character, but not on its own. Well, I remember a character from the old universe that was that was just called Geomancer, and he was like a hippie-looking dude. Yeah. But if that's the same character, I don't see how he's been around forever either. So hopefully it's not the same thing. But as far as that's, that was a totally different batch of books, and there's, yeah. there's people who like those. I just never read them. I guess that it's a reincarnation thing. Okay. In, in the new volume. So it's there's... various people that yeah. can be. If a geomancer gets, like, killed, then another person becomes a geomancer. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've seen other... As far as the Eternal Warriors, I mean, the first series he had, we saw from, like, ancient days to modern days. So this is just a story set in the mo in the ancient days. Yeah, in the middle. Yeah. So as far as, like, time's concerned, we've already seen him in the present, and we've seen him in the past before. So where this is set is kind of in the middle, I guess. And so it's more. I feel like it's just going to be this one six six issue thing, to either inter, like I said, either introduce a really popular or really important character, or just as like a side story to everything else. Because his regular series ended, didn't it? Yeah, uh, I want to say they okay. wrapped it up a while back. Right. Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, Curtis, you guys go for the book. I'm like I agree with you because I like the barbarian. Right. But I agree with Mike. He's not the strongest character in the line. Um, and Ross. And you. <laughs> I'm going to give it a three. Alright. Sounds good. It's like a round robin. That's what I like. Well, it's, it's Kerry Norton. I just can't not at least give him a three. Alright. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad book. No. It really isn't. It's, it's actually still pretty darn entertaining. So. Alright. So, uh, bring up Stray. I think uh, this one, let's do a little more round robin, I guess. And instead of... Because uh, this... I mean, we're... I, I, you know, as far as the book's concerned, we're all pretty familiar with it just because we know Vito and the Kickstarter and everything else we've really found out about the book since it was actually announced. So as far as, like, pacing book-wise, I think, I don't know. I guess, uh, let's just go over it a little bit review-wise. Do, do we not want to spoil it? Yeah, that's what I really want. I really don't want to spoil it. We're so far out, man. Like, it doesn't come out until January. Well, this may not even be... The same issue that's going to come out. You know, I kind of feel like it'll probably be the, the issue just with a different cover. I would say, because the stuff that happens in it's fairly important. It could, it could be the Midnight Tiger thing, too. Oh, that's true. Uh, I would say let's not yeah. spoil it. Okay, let's not. We'll, we'll not spoil it. So, uh, Curtis, you want to talk about Stray? Uh, I enjoyed it. I love the art. Sean Isaacs is the artist. Uh, Vito Belsante's drawing it, or writing it. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> he's, yeah. he's writing it. Uh, Sean, like I said, is down in South a South Africa. Right. Uh, we got some signed copies from Vito, so that was from his Kickstarter. But I did, I, I enjoyed it. Um, it's not what I thought it was going to be at all. I thought it was going to be a straight uh, Dick Grayson kind of follow-up, but it's not. It's a troubled kind of sidekick right. after he finds out or after he's grown up a little bit. Um. He's he's big in the party scene, and he is a drug supplier, and it's something that I would have never thought would have happened until some accident brings him back through it, which we haven't even seen yet. So, right. um, no, I enjoyed it. 
Do you want me to score it while I'm talking? Yeah. Uh, man, four and a half. Really a four and a half. Art's fantastic. Del Sante writes well different characters. Right. So it's not all the same. Um, he's got that backing of, of prior comic books for the last 75 years. And it's not anything that I've read before up to this date. Right. It's kind of got like a Watchmen feel to it, but not. Yeah, like the, the setup, I mean, something else is really cool about that, like a lot, is that we, get to, we see a lot of the characters in the past and in the present. And it's very seamless the way they act between A and B. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was pretty cool. Again, the art is awesome. It, it, it looks it, great. It'd be like if if Batman's dad were a superhero as well. Right. So it's got that feel to it. And he's the Rottweiler. You know? <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. Four and a half. Cool. Mr. Ross? Uh, I'd be pretty much in the same boat, actually. I really like the art. And the story was great. Um, I'd probably give it a four. I really like the dog theme too. I think that's awesome. Right, right. Uh, Mr. Mike, I really liked it. Just like you know, everybody else, the art is fantastic. Um, like Curtis said, though, it wasn't wasn't quite what I was expecting. But in fact, it's a little, probably a little darker than mm-hmm. I was expecting. Um, but it was really good. I mean, it's not overdone. It's right. its own. It's its own unique thing, and I can see where Midnight Tiger will tie in. You know, after reading that before, right. when it came out, um, I can see where it all can tie together. I'll, I'll give it a four and a half. Cool. Um, Rob, yeah, I'd give it. Um, I'd give it a four. Actually, I really like where they went with it. It's it's hard for me not to think of what I know about where they're going with the right. story. Yeah, no, you know now. Because I kind of love that they've built this whole really well-thought-out universe for these characters to play in. Right. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I'm looking forward to see what the other characters are going to be like they have in there. And I'm really glad that it got picked up for Action Lab so that you can have that interaction with him and uh, Midnight Tiger later. So I was happy with it, though. So. Cool. Um, well, I'm going to follow suit and give it four and a half. Uh, uh, Book-wise, I mean, it's 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 thoroughly entertaining. It's almost like there's two hooks in it because you get there's a major climax thing in the very beginning, and you get a little bit of backstory, and then your backstory is automatically shattered from what you expect this person to be or what they expect them to be like. And then from there, there's another hook at the very end where they turn the knife on you. And it's not like you didn't see that part coming, but it's more for the character because from us the beginning to the middle. We already know certain things about the character, and then you get to the end where it's revealed to him, and that's where the next catch is. So, it, setup-wise, it, it moves pretty cool. I like that it's a little darker, but I, I don't know, I guess that's what I like, well, I guess. You look at the design, and you don't think dark Mm-mm. Well, no, at all. like, the, the character's costumes, I mean, you got blue, well, blue-black, mm-hmm. yellow-white, and it's got a fun, just like a fun pop feel to it, man. Like, the way it looks is, it's a really cool look. Like it looks awesome. Just in general, I guess maybe if you if you just judge on this particular Kickstarter cover alone, you wouldn't scream dark to you. Is what I can see that. But I don't know, book wise, man, just reading it in general, it was awesome. And just seeing the colors that he's used for Stray or the Rottweiler, right? And the colors that Midnight Tiger has, they they go really well together. I oh think. yeah. 
Well, yeah, between the, the two of them together, I mean, it's like the two of them are saying, like, this whole universe was built to be part of it. It's part of the, part of the same universe. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it's actually getting to fruition is really, really awesome. And as far as, like, books and stories are concerned, I, no, we all read a lot of books. Like, we read a lot of books. <sighs> Man, a lot of books. And as far as, like, setup, I didn't really feel like this is the same as anything else. Yeah, you can see pieces here and there from anything, but any superhero books like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't... It, there's so many different superhero books out there now. It's very rare you come up with something that's... Unique. Totally unique, yeah. Especially it's, with the Spandex Clad ones. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And not that not the Skyward is a superhero book, but that is another unique book that you, mm-hmm. you can't get that anywhere else. Yeah. That's right. It's kind of the same... Way I kind of feel about this one. It's well, yeah, same thing with Stray and even Midnight Tiger. And like, I, yeah. I know we're seeing the praise of Action Lab pretty heavy, but it, it's because the books are so good. Like, it, it, all three of those titles are awesome, and like the things you get from each of them compared to other things, Different. it's just not the same. It, it, but it, in, in a good way, that not to make it sound bad. If that sounded bad, it's not supposed to sound bad at all. The way that I worded it, if it did. And Take two. It would be really easy. When you're using the archetypes like this, right. to make parody. That's what I'm talking about. There you go. Okay. And I think he's done a really good job of like stepping out, even though you can kind of go, "Oh, well, this is like Batman and Robin." Well, you can definitely see not. the difference oh my God, of not. who they are. And wow. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, some some people when they do that, they'll they don't even probably mean to do it, but they wind up just doing a really parodied version of whoever it is. You know, AI like Supreme, who's Obviously, Superman. Right. Okay. And like they didn't try to do anything more than that. Whereas you know Rottweiler and Doberman, Doberman are like completely unique kind of takes. And the same right. thing's true for like Midnight Tiger, who you know he kind of goes, oh, he's kind of like Spider-Man. Well, mm-hmm. he's a lot different than Spider-Man. You yeah. Know, when you read that story, so it's very true. Yeah, and they mentioned in their uh, interview that you guys had that. Mm-hmm. Regardless of where these books landed, they were going to have a shared universe. Yeah, right. Midnight, meaning Midnight Tiger and Stray. So it's lost. awesome that they had this going forward and that they did land at Action Lab together. And right. I'm pretty sure that Ray, when Midnight Tiger hits, like, yeah, let's get Vito on. And uh, Dave Duanch, I think his name is, yeah. was, okay, let's do it. And it yeah. gives you the impression that the way they've worded that is that they're leaving it open to expand it however they want mm-hmm. with whoever they they, they can exp- expand however they right. want to do it. Mm-hmm. And the, the fun thing for people who picked up Midnight Tiger is when, when Stray comes out and you look at all the characters that are in Stray, then you can go back to Midnight Tiger because there's some of them that make a cameo there mm-hmm. before That's the Action true, Lab yeah. connection even existed. Yeah, wasn't there cool. a uh, poster in Gavin's room? There's a poster in the stand-up, yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway, so yeah, it, it, like like we were saying earlier, do you have the code for that book by any chance still? November fourteen zero nine one five. What the diamond code would be if to have your shop order it, or to have them look it up to order it. Um, it like we said earlier, it's in the November previews. Uh, it'll be under Action Labs, so about middle of the catalog. Uh, it's definitely worth a check out. I mean, as far as books are concerned, it, the art is fantastic. Uh, the story is really good. As far as uh, setup, I'm super excited to see the rest of it. Like, super excited. And normally I would say something like, you know, oh, hey, take a risk on this book, but this isn't a risk. You can, you can, yeah, you can get this with confidence, but do go to your store and say, I want this book. Because it is coming out from a small company. They have to watch what they're printing. 
you know, as well as, as any store has to watch what they're buying. So Stray is not even a risk. It's totally worth it as a story. And Action Lab isn't, I mean, they have good paper quality. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, quality's good. Yeah. yeah, if you listen to the show and everybody grade all the companies, uh, a few, like, six episodes back, maybe? Five, six? <laughs> six episodes back. Uh, yeah, they put together a good product. Like, oh. their paper's good, their art coloring, the coloring is great. Just in general, they they put a good book together. Yeah. Let's stop. Anyway, uh, any final words on the stray before we move on to uh, our interview for this episode? All right. Uh, so this interview came from the Utah Comic Con. I think you can still call it that. Salt Lake. Salt Lake. Yeah, we'll call it Salt Lake Con. How about that? That's what it is called. It is? It's not, not Salt Utah. Lake Comic Con? I'm pretty sure it's Salt Lake Comic Con. Salt Lake Comic Con, but you said Utah Comic Con. Oh, did I say Utah? Okay, so then Salt Lake... We're just going to call it Salt Lake Con anyway, because the whole lawsuit thing, whatever. Not that it matters to us, because it really doesn't. Anyway, um... And, man, that got out of control for no reason. <laughs> so, interviews with Steve Lieber, uh, who, if you are following the Superior Foes of Spider-Man, you know him from there. Uh, if, if you read any of the Hawkeye series Matt Fraction was writing, uh, you know him from the first half of that. Generally, he does horror stories with his art, uh, but both those stories totally land on the opposite side of it. Uh, he's a really cool dude. If you haven't checked out either of those books, you're totally missing out. I believe you know, he did the art for Whiteout. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Whiteout was his too. Art-wise, he's a good, he's a good artist. He's a cool guy. Story-wise, I know we've reviewed Superior Foes a couple times. Uh, it was fantastic. Um, which they just wrapped it up at issue 18, maybe last month. Isn't he doing March on Armstrong? You know, he is. No, he's moving to Quantum, Quantum Woody. Way. Yeah, so if you want to <clears throat> follow the man's art, uh, he will be doing the Quantum Woody book pretty soon for Valiant. And then now I'll play the interview. This is Steve at Top 5 Comics, and I am here with... Steve Lieber. And Steve, you're just now getting ready to finish up what's going to be the Superior, Superior Foes of Spider-Man, right? Correct. Yeah, I, I just turned in the, the last of issue 16, and I'm waiting on a script for issue 17, which is the finale. Uh, I get to find out what happens along with everybody else. <laughs> right on, that's excellent. It's been a really fun book, and it, awesome, like, so good. A weird rogues gallery, and it's really not... It has nothing to do with Spider-Man. Not really. That, that's a big part of the pleasure for it. When you're working with a big character like Spider-Man or Batman or something, you have to preserve you have to preserve their dignity. Right. And with this, we, we don't preserve anybody's dignity. <laughs> uh, this this whole book is about is about taking characters and humiliating them and putting them in bad situations. Right. It's been a really fun book. It is funny. I Dark style for it fits so well. It's really, really. It's been a really enjoyable book. All the guys in my podcast like it a lot. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, I am super grateful to to Nick Spencer for writing great stuff like this, uh, and to or the editors on the book: Tom Brennan, Steve Wacker, Lauren Sankovich, and John Moisen, um, for doing just everything they can to help us get away with stuff. Right. Because that, that's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're getting stuff into Marvel Comics that Marvel has no business publishing. <laughs> um, and they've been remarkably supportive, just hugely so. Even, yeah, even the places where, they, the, the, the two places where they've asked us to cut stuff, 
I've totally gotten why. Uh, I'm told there's now a rule at Marvel that you can't pee on a corpse in a book that has Spider-Man in the title. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, I guess that makes sense, that's, sort of. That's, that's the superior foes rule right there. Yeah. Yeah, so don't try that, future freelancers. Yeah. No peeing on the corpses. That's, that is a rule. That's, that's where the line is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right on. So was there a point where you decide this is what I want to do for a job? Do you remember a, a moment where you thought, man, I really want to do this? I have got a piece of paper from when I was in third or fourth grade where they asked us some questions, one of which was, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I put down a couple of things. Uh, cowboy didn't work out. <laughs> but uh, one of the other things was, was comic book artist. And I, I I was surprised that I knew what a comic book artist was in those days. But yeah, I, I wanted... And, it, it came true. But this either means that I've, I've had pretty good focus all my life right. or have showed remarkably little development. <laughs> Let's go with focus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the development part works too, I guess, yeah. though. That's, that's awesome. So in your, in your career, you've worked on several different characters yeah. and different groups. Is there somebody, like if you could pick anybody, carte blanche, any, any company, whatever, is there a character you'd like to work on? The answer is almost always my own stuff. Um, yeah. That said, a character that I would have a lot of fun with, I know, would be Prince Namor. Especially, especially if I could do him in the same sort of mode as Superior Foes. The, the, the king of a vast kingdom with, with armies behind him, that doesn't interest me that much. But the kind of maniac who shows up just wearing a Speedo and beats you up and takes your girlfriend, <laughs> that fascinates the hell out of me. Uh, right. Yeah, declare war on the surface world, getting, getting into bum fights. You know, Full on beard, yeah, doesn't exactly. remember who he is, yeah, he shaves by mistake, has a drink of water, and all of a sudden he remembers. Yeah, that, that, that guy fascinates me. Um, more seriously, uh, I'd love to draw a Swamp Thing someday. I did a Swamp Thing story, but Swamp Thing wasn't in it. Um, and I did a, uh, a pinup for the Swamp Thing Secret Files book that DC did. Okay. Yeah, they, they had me draw the guy. It was, it, was a, it was a really cool thing to draw because it was the first thing I did after finishing Whiteout. So after two years of drawing nothing but snow and ice, right. I got to draw a swamp, and I, I really got into <laughs> right, that. Yeah. Um, but I've never actually done a story with it. One day I'd like to. Um, there's a bunch of other characters that are interesting, but... I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll leave this off. No, no, it's all right. Yeah. Is there anything you're working on your own right now? Uh, I've got uh, some stories that I'm talking, that I'm talking through and starting to write with my wife. There, it's, it's it's an ensemble piece about uh, about a uh, a very, very, very small town on the Oregon coast set before World War II. It's it's still a ways away. Sure, okay. And we'll probably just put it on the web because I don't think anybody's actually going to to want to publish this, or if they do, it'll be. Just a tiny publisher. Sure. Yeah. Well, it depends on what it is, if, 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 what your twist is to it. Because like, there's some books out there that I'm surprised the image has got a whole slew of things yeah. in. It all depends on where it fits or how it, how it lands, I guess. Yeah. But there's a lot of web comments out there too anymore, so mm-hmm. it's a good, good place for things, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, in addition to to high concept stuff, I really like telling straightforward fiction. This would be this would be somewhere between John Steinbeck and a soap opera. Okay. Yeah. All right. That sounds like a cool idea. Is there so if people are looking to pick up? Do you do commissions online or anything like that? Do you have oh, a website? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm at uh, com. Uh, the, the place I'm most active is on Twitter. I'm at Steve underscore Lieber, L I E B E R, and you can see me bantering with six thousand of my very best friends <laughs> on any given day. <laughs> right on. If you're stranded on a desert island yeah. and you take five things with you. Yeah. Including people, what would those five things be? My wife, 
Uh, does a nuclear plant count as one thing? No, I'd have to think that it may. <laughs> there's it a probably, lot of parts there. There's a lot of parts, but if you trace yeah. it as plants, I think yeah. it probably does. Uh, the plants. The instruction manual for a plant, that's four. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> it's a big old fridge full of steaks. God. Uh, <laughs> that sounds like a good list. Yeah. Nuclear power to power things, yeah. a way to run it, yeah. and then food to eat afterwards. Exactly. That's very good. Yeah. That's a good list. <laughs> I'm screwed, aren't I? No, no. You're, you're, <laughs> I, 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 I am going to be... Yeah, I'm going to be a skull in the middle of a giant crater somewhere on a desert island. Well, I assume with the plant, you could probably live inside the plant if you needed to. That sounds good to me. So there would always be a building inside. You wouldn't have to build anything. Precisely. Right. Yeah. If you lived in Fantasyland, yes. would you ride I, a... I do. I live in Portland. Well, that's close. That is close. Yeah. Would you ride a chocolate horse? I would ride... I would ride the same thing I ride in Portland, which is which is a beat-up 12-speed bike. Yeah. It's a good choice. With, with a sprug saddle, so it's not so hard on the behind. <laughs> right on. Well, a horse would probably... The main question we have with people, they say, so can a horse talk? Or what kind of weather is there? It, it's it's, it's rated 24-7, man. It's Portland. That's what exactly. It's, so you just melt because yeah, the water. I, the, the, the thing about Portland, and I think what brings all the cartoonists there, because we've got a ton, is the weather sucks, so you stay inside and you get things done. Oh. That's a very good point. It, it makes a big difference. Huh. I never really thought about that that way, but that's a good point. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for talking with Steve. Appreciate it. Pleasure, man. We just shook hands. You couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't you see that because it's that, radio. Man. But that was a handshake for radio right there, guys. <laughs> Perfect. All right. And that was a superior Steve Lieber. Uh, like I said, again, a really cool guy, fun to talk to. Um... Let's do some uh, books to watch, uh, Kurtz. Uh, let's go with uh, Stray coming out in January, hopefully mid-January. Uh, Five Ghosts, um, very superior storytelling art-wise as well. Harkens back to the old 70s horror or adventure books. Um, that's about all I got right now. <laughs> all right. Mr. Ross? I'm going to stick with Batman and Robin. It keeps getting better, and we definitely have some big changes coming up here in the near future. So, all right, Mr. Mike. Uh, how about let's go with witches, black science, of course. Um, Justice League kind of shaping up. Be a pretty cool story. Legendary Star Lord's been pretty good. True, I guess yeah. The Guardians book. Um, Can agree with that. And. Uh, can't say enough about the uh, older Marvel Cosmic stuff. I just got done reading a bunch of that, so I'll go check that out, too, if you can find it. Namely the stuff from the... Annihilator? Annihilation, um, Conquest, the Nova, some of the Nova trades. Surprisingly, they're becoming really rare, but yeah, they're pretty awesome. Really good. Right, Rob? Um... Well, if you're, if you're keeping an eye on what's going on with the Avengers title soon, they just put in the last uh, preview book that the Beyonder is going to be showing up. So a lot of the crazy stuff that Marvel's been throwing out recently um, may be actually related directly to the Beyonder making his appearance. Book. So keep an eye on the Avengers stuff and the Beyonder showing back up. So Cool. Um, all right, well, I would give you Birthright. Uh, issue 2 of that just came out this week. So like that book. Oh my god. 
<laughs> so so awesome. Um, man, I feel like I had stuff on my mind, but now I'm like, bloop, gone. Well, I was going to say, do yourself a favor and go pick up the back catalog of Skyward. Skyward. Oh, right, yeah. From Jeremy Dell. Yeah, Help man. Help support that. Um, it, it'll, it's worth your money. It's not taking a risk, like Rob would say. Mm. Not at all. It's, it's, it's a great fantasy story. And if you're not even into fantasy, Mike mm. likes it. And he's not a big fantasy guy either. Not at all. That's true. That's, not, that's a good endorsement there. That's a great book. Like you won't even do the, the key stuff like yeah. this. Man, it's, yeah. That's a really good, man, that's a good endorsement. So support them. Uh, it's, it's good. Right. Uh, anything else there, Mr. Ross? No? Oh, they are going to be doing a Mortal Kombat X comic, and uh, they're, they're going to jump past the digital first and actually release it. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So Mortal Kombat, for all of you listening out there, you know how much Rob loves Mortal Kombat. Yeah, if you care about Mortal Kombat, they're going to do a comic for it. So it may actually be taking some of the characters from the uh, DC comic and putting them into the game. That's or cool. having some of those characters that are first revealed in the comic that'll make their way into the game. So, Right on. Um, I, I can remember, you, you're going to want this book too, Curtis. It's the Blood Wolf, I think, or Blood Moon? Blood Moon. There oh, no, go. Wolf Moon. Wolf Moon, yeah. Coming out from Vertigo. Mm-hmm. Um, miniseries, it looks like it'll be awesome. Yeah. Well, that let's was, not that forget was the Marvel about. Star Wars stuff is going to be kicking uh, you up. Know, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be cool to see. Else, you know. So I know we're all kind of. I think I feel like we're all kind of upset that it's still Dark Horse not doing it, but we'll see. Oh, that um, what is it? Fire and ice going through Dark Horse now. Oh, the yeah, uh, the aliens, aliens predator, predator stuff. Yeah. That stuff's so good. Yeah. I'm so surprised. If 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 you want to yeah. take a chance on a book, get that stuff. It's pretty good. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's. Well, they've got some pretty good writers and artists on yeah, it. Yeah, Paul so. Tobin's working on one with uh, Juan Ferreira from Colder. Oh, that's cool. So it's the same creative team. No, he's working with Joshua Williamson, I think. But anyway, he's writing one, and Ferreira for Juan's drawing another one, and it's it's surprisingly good. I don't know. I don't think we'll call it. Tiki! 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 Are you skillet? Come on, Mike. Oh, you skillet! <laughs> I'm done. Okay! Uh, uh, I'm out.